0: Free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show.
1: As the clock strikes 13, it's Monday, the 21st of November, year of our Lord, 2022. Today we're going to talk about the great reinstatement. Everybody is buzz at what we've now learned about Twitter. It's as if the free speech issue of the Constitution doesn't even matter anymore, right? And it doesn't. It's been superseded by billionaires and by digital platforms. And this also applies to the passports that all government world leaders agree at the G20. We must have a global ID to control movement. That's where we are after 984 days of this. So we're going to talk about uh, that as well as more absurd nonsense to attribute deaths from the Trump shots to something else. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I guess we should call it the great reinstatement. We have uh, Elon Musk reinstating Donald Trump, Jordan Peterson, Babylon B, <laughs> Kathy Griffin, uh, and, uh, some other people not being reinstated. Uh, so Mr. Free speech absolutist Elon Musk, uh, decided that he would have a poll so that he didn't have to take full responsibility for this. Should I bring back Donald Trump? You know, it's interesting. We keep looking for billionaires and politicians to save us, but it turns out, uh, that they've got their own agenda, don't they? He put it out, uh, Vox Populi, Vox Dei, uh, the voice of the people is the voice of God, says the guy who wears a Baphomet costume as his uh, Twitter thumbnail and his profile picture. Yeah. You know, when we look at these polls. Think about how polls are often used to not just find out what you think, right? That's the big attraction for everybody. Uh, What do you think about this? Uh, That's one of the big um, uh, come-ons to try to get an email list. You'll see some conservative group or some liberal group on a hot-button issue. What do you think about this? Uh, Vote here. And if you look at the poll, (laughs) it'll say, uh, Oh yeah, vote, but before your vote counts, you gotta give us your email address. They're just trying to harvest email address. We've seen that scam run for years. Uh, They don't really care what your opinion is. They've got another agenda. And Elon Musk doesn't really care what your opinion is either. He's gonna ban you when he sees fit to do so. He'll ban you when the European Union tells him to do so. So a lot of times they will use polls to get what they want. In this case, plausible deniability for offering the platform back to Trump and bringing Trump back. But they'll also use polls to push you in one way or the other. This is a very common tactic in the closing days of a political campaign. They would do teleconferencing or telecalls, and uh, they would ask people, not because they're trying to find out your opinion of something, but they would use the poll to push something, usually some last-minute ad hominem attack on somebody, you know, would it make any difference to you if you knew blah, blah, blah about so-and-so? That's a very common thing. <clears throat> also, sometimes they do with issues as well at the last minute. They're trying to push you in a direction, by the way, they, you know, they, they, they know that you want to give your opinion. Everybody wants to give their opinion, but they want to use that in order to get you to uh, listen to their questions so they can push you in a particular direction. Have you ever thought about the fact that social media operates exactly that way? Everybody goes to social media thinking, well, I'm gonna give my opinion on such and such, but actually they don't want your opinion. They're gonna shut your opinion down if they disagree with it, and they have the tools to do that, and they're gonna to continue to use those tools at Twitter, at Facebook, at YouTube, and the rest of these. If you, go, if you cross them, on anything that they think is important, which tells you something. If you look at these alt-right guys who have millions of followers out there who are allowed on these platforms, you look at what they're, what they're doing now. They're not opposing any of this agenda. What they're doing is they're just running a business. They're running entertainment. The same way that the people who say, hey, you know, we want your opinion on the push poll and so forth, uh, you're being used in the same way. But of course, social media was always designed that way. Social media was designed to find out what you think, but not in the way that you think they're finding it out. They're not going to find out what you think with an opinion poll. That was the old school way of doing things, and it wasn't good enough. Now, they created social media as part of geospatial intelligence uh, in the late 1990s as soon as the Internet became, um, had the uh, technological tools to make it uh, applicable in a large bandwidth. It was always designed as a psychological tool from DARPA, from the Defense Department, from a psychologist that was there, J.C.R. Licklider. It was always set up to be a tool of psychological control, a tool of mind control, because that's what DARPA, the CIA, and the NSA, and all these people, they have been absolutely focused on every kind of tactic to control your mind and what you think. Whether you're talking about chemicals, uh, whether you're talking about electronic attachment, or you're talking about psychological issues, it's always about controlling the public and what they think. Uh, That's what the CIA has been focused on. And so when it became feasible for the Internet to uh, get up to the point where the bandwidth was going to be there, that's when they rolled out. Uh, the venture capital firms. And so this has been set up to take it to the next level. So that instead of having to give you an opinion poll, they can look at your comments because it's public. Everything you put out there is public and they can scrape it off and they can gather geospatial intelligence from that. That's what it was designed for. So they don't need your opinion. Uh, but they do use polls for that issue. Uh, And we're very eager to participate in that, just like we're eager to participate in social media. Uh, Here's what I think. Okay, well, you know, we'll use that for our geospatial intelligence. And it allows them to close the loop on propaganda. That's why things are moving so quickly now. That's why they have had so much success through these 984 days, as they uh, are able to fine-tune their propaganda. I reported in the summer of 2020 as they were rolling out how they were going to push the vaccine that Trump was developing. Uh, They had a Yale study. It was published on the NIH website and they talked about uh, a dozen different ways that they were going to manipulate public opinion. Uh, We'll tell people that you have to do it to protect your neighbor. We'll tell people that it's, you know, a miracle of science, and that uh, we'll use the uh, argument of authority and all these different things that they would use that we saw them using. And they had already done controlled experiments. And I pointed out at the time, isn't it interesting that even before they even pretended to do any attenuated studies on the physical effects of a vaccine, they'd not even started. What they, you know, just a couple of months, they claim they did tests. They're not even started any of that, but they'd already worked out how they're going to force you to take it psychologically, coerce you to take it that they did do experiments with that. They did do double blind experiments. Let's bring in a group here and we don't tell them anything. We just offer them an untested vaccine. <laughs> no, thanks. And then we'll have this other group that will tell them this narrative. Here's why you should take it. Uh, You know, how how are you going to feel if some of your family gets this and dies? It'll all be your fault, right? Let's see how that works and compare that to the control group. And so they scientifically tested it. But social media is the place where they really test their narratives and fine-tune them. And so over the weekend, you had uh, Elon Musk and, and so many... (laughs) It was funny to watch the glee from conservatives. Oh, look, Trump is back. Hey, we're all saved now, right? Uh, One billionaire who controls free speech, largely on the internet, has now offered to uh, let another billionaire politician come on the platform again. Uh, Looks like uh, Trump's not interested, though. But Kathy Griffin uh, was brought back you know, Kathy Griffin was banned for impersonating Musk, but he brought her back. You know, it's just a, a little offering to the left. Uh, she had also been banned in the past. I think uh, shortly, or maybe she never was for that, uh, decapitation of Trump picture that she had. I'm not sure she ever was banned. I don't know. Uh, if she was, she was brought back after a short, uh, uh, thing, but, uh, Jordan Peterson had been banned for misgendering actress uh, Ellen Page, who calls herself Elliot now. A conservative Christian satire site, Babylon Bee, had been banned for misgendering Richard Levine, who calls himself Rachel Levine. Remember that guy in the Biden administration. So, um, you know, it is, it is really about them finding out what you think, but without asking you in a poll. And so, um, Twitter really is about Vox Populi by people who think they're God <laughs> or at least Baphomet, uh, an imitation of God is what he d- identifies with. And as soon as Jordan Peterson got on, I'm very disappointed with Jordan Peterson. As uh, soon as he got on, he says, I'm back. Thanks. But then he said that we needed to, uh, really pushed to make sure that everybody has an ID in order to participate. And that's where he's been focused lately. Jordan Peterson has taken up the mantle of having to have an ID from the government, everybody having an ID in order to be able to get on the internet. No anonymous people allowed. He's really gone off the rails uh, in terms of discernment. Uh, unless he has sold out. I don't understand how he could lack that much discernment. Uh, Babylon B saying, Yeah, we're back. Great. So, um, as we. Uh, uh, Signs so far that Musk's Twitter will live up to conservatives' hopes have been mixed, says LifeSight News. Well, that's putting it mildly. Uh, he, published, uh, he promised to publish previously hidden evidence of the old management's activities and tease more to come. Is that really about freedom? No, that's about his internal political battles with these people. He presided over previously unheard of context checks on misleading tweets from the Biden administration. Well, that was a change. Uh, typically it was so skewed politically that they would never, uh, they would never question anything. And that was Biden taking credit for, uh, for inflation, uh, <laughs> not realizing that's what he was taking credit for. He said, look, we're going to go up on social security checks by this amount biggest we've had in quite some time. It's like, it wasn't just Musk. It was all a mainstream media fact checking him on that saying that's been tied since the 1970s to the inflation rate. So what he was really doing was bragging about how much inflation he had caused. On the other hand, Musk has mentioned having met with a number of representatives for left leaning identity groups, including the NAACP, the anti-defamation league, the color of change and George W. Bush's presidential center. He asked them or met with him about how Twitter will continue to combat hate and harassment and to enforce its election integrity policies. And he also vouched for the far left head of safety and integrity. That's where they do the censoring. Joel Roth, who has since left the company. So he was trying to use that guy who should have been summarily dismissed. He was trying to use him for street creds with the left. Don't leave and the advertiser. Don't leave. See, I got this guy here. Uh, But his reinstatements were more mixed even, um, uh, even though his uh, statement on censorship has become crystal clear as to what this guy is truly about. So with the uh, Trump poll, it was 52% for reinstatement, 48% against with about 15% million people uh, jumping in on that and uh, uh, President Trump had this to say when he was asked if he was going to come back.
0: Elon Musk posted a poll uh, that had over 13 million respondents so far asking whether or not you should be reinstated uh, on on Twitter. Uh, My question to you is what do you think about uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter and if you are reinstated will we see you back on Twitter again?
2: Well, I like that he bought it. I've always liked him. I got along with him very well uh, during my days as president. And I got to know him pretty well. Uh, but I do like him. I've, I've always really... Gave him a him. lot of money for you know, his company. <laughs> and uh, I tend to like characters, but he's smart. Uh, he did put up a poll, and I hear it's very overwhelming, very strong. But I have something called Trump. If you look, it's Trump-owned, but it's, uh, it's really fantastic. Truth, social... And Truth Social uh, is is through the roof. It's doing phenomenally well. The press hates to talk about it, but it's doing phenomenally well. I think engagement is much better than it is with Twitter. Truth Social has been very, very powerful, very, very strong, and I'll be saying that, but I hear we're getting a big vote to also go back on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't see it because I don't see any reason for it. Uh, they have a lot of problems at Twitter. You see what's going on. It may, make it, it may not make it, but I, the problems are incredible. Uh, the engagements are negative and you have a lot of bots and you have a lot of fake accounts, which I think they should get on. But truth social has taken the place for a lot of people. And I don't see them going back onto Twitter.
1: And he doesn't see himself going back on And Of course, I'd said from the very beginning, you know, when first wave of censorship went through back in August, August six, two 2018. Uh, InfoWars, Alex Jones kicked out a lot of different places. And then two months later, you had 800 alternative media sites, not all of them conservative, not all of them Trump supporters, but they were all against the military-industrial complex. They were against the police surveillance state, regardless of whether they supported Trump or not. And um, he did nothing, nothing to support free speech. As I said, the time... (laughs) All he had to do, he was so big on Twitter. All he had to do was go to another platform like Gab, anything, anything. Or if he didn't like any of those, he could have had somebody that, um, was connected with him, set up their own competition to it. He could have done truth social at any time. Somebody could have done it while he was president. He didn't have to do it directly. And, um, they never, he never decided to defend free speech. As I said before, there were things that President Trump could have done as president, I believe, to defend free speech. Corporations are not people. When you have a conflict of rights, you understand that corporations don't have rights. This is not a conflict between people who are created in the image of God and who are endowed with inalienable rights. It's a competition competition between corporations who are given privileges and are creatures of the state. It's a competition between them and between human beings who are created in the image of God. There is no competition in that. So there were things that he could do as president. But again, his bully pulpit and the fact that he was the elephant in the room at Twitter meant that he could have protected free speech at any given time. But he chose not to do so. He chose not to expend the political capital, and he chose not to use his heavyweight position. And so uh, when you look at what's going to happen here, I I don't think he's going to go back. Now he does have that, and uh, he's going to now push that business, even though uh, he was never an advocate of free speech, and I'm not interested in so-called truth social, because it's just going to be as biased as any of the other platforms, just biased for Trump. If I'm not a Trump cheerleader, uh, I wouldn't do very well in that echo chamber. And I'm sure that the uh, Trump people themselves would ban me there. So then there was another poll, uh, as, uh, somebody said, uh, you're going to bring back Alex Jones and Elon Musk said, no. So there was another poll about Alex Jones. Uh, Trump got 15 million votes in it. Uh, Alex's poll got 300,000 and, um, it was, uh, Overwhelming for yes, got 54.5%. No, got 46.5%. One person said, uh, for free speech, uh, yes. Uh, But um, for being a terrible human being, no. (laughs) So I don't know which way that guy voted. Uh, But that's the point. You support free speech even if you disagree with somebody, right? Because then if you only support free speech, as we say over and over again, that's a classic thing. If you only support it for people that you agree with, then you don't support free speech. It's just that simple. Uh, So Musk does not support free speech because he's not going to bring back Alex Jones, And there's a list of other people he's not going to bring back either. As um, one person responded, who was a son of a couple of people who sued Alex from Sandy Hook, said, bring him back. He said, by banning him, you only enhance his position with people because it looks like you're afraid of him. And so they're not doing themselves any favor. Actually, it works to Alex's advantage to be banned. Uh, It makes him into a martyr. Uh, So Musk does not support free speech. And um, there was never really any question in my mind uh, that he opposed free speech. I've played for you over and over again, how he bowed and scraped to the censors, whether they are corporations or whether they're some of these uh, organizations I just mentioned, whether it is foreign governments or even American politicians. And so Elon Musk restored uh, Trump's Twitter account. And, uh, he was attacked by ADL, uh, anti-defamation leagues, Jonathan Greenblatt. He replied to that and said, uh, stop defaming me. And, um, uh, <laughs> he said, um, uh, as Greenblatt, this is uh, information liberation as Greenblatt responded with outrage and whined that Musk is quote, not remotely serious about safeguarding the platform from hate. Harassment and misinformation. Musk responded, hey, stop defaming me. And so he says, uh, how wonderful to uh, see that um, Elon Musk is standing up for himself. But then uh, Chris Minahan at Information Liberation saw what else was involved there. Elon Musk, echoing ADL's talking points was his next article, says that the new Twitter policy is freedom of speech, but not of reach. Well, first of all, he doesn't support freedom of speech because he's not going to bring back Alex and many other controversial people. Uh, But to say that you support freedom of speech, but not freedom of reach, where did that come from? Well, as he points out, that's something that Jonathan Greenblatt has been trying to turn into a meme. And so he posted uh, pictures uh, as... um, he got in a back and forth with, uh, Jack Dorsey at one point in time, um, uh, talking about that a couple of years ago. And, uh, now you have, uh, Elon Musk who says, uh, Hey, don't defame me. And there's this for the people who are watching the professional wrestling because that's what this is. Oh, well, look, you know, he's taking on, uh, the head of the ADL, these radical Marxist leftists are out there to uh, control speech. And um, so he's our hero. He's our guy. And yet he uses the same phrases. And he does the same thing. You look at what they do, not at what they say. So um, <clears throat> the uh, <clears throat> freedom of speech but not freedom of reach, as Information liberation says, is an idiotic meme that's been repeated ad nauseum, by the ADL CEO Jonathan Greenblatt. New Twitter policy is freedom of speech but not freedom of reach now, says Musk. He said, "Negative." This is what Musk said. It's hard to tell. I have to tell you that it's Musk talking and not Jonathan Greenblatt. Because they're on the same page, really. Musk said, "Negative. Hate tweets will be max deboosted and demonetized." So no ads or other revenue to Twitter. You won't find the tweet. Now, of course, you know, who we're talking, unless you go looking for it. Okay. That's how Twitter has been for me for years. That's how Twitter has been for me for the last four plus years. Exactly that. And I'm fed up with it. I really didn't think it was going to change. And, uh, we'll continue to uh, broadcast, uh, live on there. We'll continue to put up, uh, links to videos and podcasts and that type of thing but uh I'm not interested in playing there because again it is a controlled gated community uh negative means that you contradict the government or the government experts hate means that they hate what you're having to say it's just that simple uh so he says uh we're going to max deboost it and you're going to have to seek it out i've had people tell me for years i thought you weren't on Twitter anymore. I had to, you know, I never see your stuff. I had to, and then I went looking for you and I saw that you're still here. That's the rules under which I've been playing for years on that corrupt platform. And I stayed there. I told Karen over the weekend, I said, you know, really should just pull the thing years ago, but it really was a blessing uh, because, um, when I opposed Alex about stop the steal, and we'd had our arguments all through 2020 about what they were emphasizing and how he was, well, the vaccine's not, not good, but it's not as bad as it would be if Gates was there or if it was somebody other than Trump. Trump's gonna pull it back a bit, you know, so, but uh, I still wouldn't get it, but it you know, hasn't been tested. And all, you know, Back and forth, just like he's been with Trump. You know, Trump is evil, but Trump is good. Trump is evil, Trump is good. He loves me, he loves me not. And so he had this. He loves the vaccine. He loves the vaccine, not. But he always loved Trump. and it always excused Trump. And so we had our issues with that. But the line was crossed with that sting thing. I had uh, people. Uh, I don't understand what the sting thing is. Well, maybe you should do a little bit of research. I mean, Rush Limbaugh talked about it when it came out. They got four million views on Band Video, and um, you had uh, Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny. Was sending the video to Mark Meadows, who was chief of staff for Trump, and on and on. I hope this is true. And so it wasn't true. I knew it wasn't true. Uh, I talked to him personally, uh, and um, you know, he decided that he was going to push that out because he could gain audience. It's very big, and it's more important to you know. The only thing that really matters is that you're not boring. You know, those are the rules of Richard Nixon. And that's really what Roger Stone believes and what Alex believes. Just don't be boring. You know, you can say anything you want, uh, but just don't be boring. And so Twitter really was a blessing because, you know, it was the only way uh, I was able to get the word out to anybody that, you know, I, had, I was no longer there, that I was fired. Alex just wanted me to disappear. He kept control of uh, podcasts that had my name on it, other things like that. And I still have people. I thought you were still at Infowars coming back, but it was because of Twitter that I was able to get out there. But because I was born, uh, because I was uh, banned on Twitter and shadow banned on it, you know, because they, they uh, took away my reach on things, you know, that went out there because some other people picked it up, um, and that got a lot of tweets. But other than that, when that first happened. I haven't had any engagement really since, uh, 2018. But, um, the good thing about that is I don't waste a lot of time on Twitter and it's now gotten to the point where I just don't even care. And now that this has come out, I'm not going to be there except to post videos. Uh, this applies just to the individual tweet, not to the whole account. That's an absolute lie. They don't just de-boost individual tweets. It's all of it. All of it. Jonathan Greenblatt had a meeting with Musk immediately after his takeover of Twitter, and now Musk is repeating freedom of speech but not freedom of reach. But you're supposed to believe that they're enemies. Yeah, it's the uh, professional wrestling, the shadow boxing stuff that's going on. Look, I've seen this type of thing talked about for the longest time. When I was working with the LP, I was, uh, trying to get in on the ballot, trying to then get onto the bait, we heard that as well. Well, we're not interested in covering what you have to say. I mean, we had some pretty interesting things to say. You would think that um, since most of the media, as we have seen, they'd like to put sensational stuff out there. Well, We had some really sensational policies uh, when it came to prohibition, you know, war on drugs, and a lot of other things. We had a lot of stuff that was very, very uh, sensational. And you would think that somebody in the press would want to cover it. They typically didn't, and they didn't want to have a third party in the debates. So it's like, yeah, you went through all these extra things to get on the ballot, but we're not going to give you the reach of being on a debate because we don't want to hear what you have to say. I've seen that, and I've seen the beard of them saying, "Well, you know, this is a private organization that's running these debates." Uh, we now have the North Carolina Association of Journalists and or whatever it was, newspapers or whatever they were, but. You know, it's the North Carolina Association of uh, Mainstream Media. That's not what the title was. But we're running the debates, and we're not interested in having any different opinions. We're not interested in talking about any other topics other than the ones that we talk about each election and having the same two sides represented by the Democrats and Republicans. So I've seen that, and I've seen the excuse that, well, you know, this is a private organization, so we're not going to – and that's what they did. You know, the uh, Presidential Debate Commission is a so-called private organization, and they get to choose what the rules are to include people, and they make sure that they will never include another third-party candidate like Ross Perot ever again. Never again. They don't ever want to have that happen again. So they created, instead of League of Women Voters running this, they created a private corporation that runs the debates, And just like Twitter, they say this private corporation is going to decide who is on because they'll set up the rules, and it's like they're just obeying the rules that they set up. I mean, how that's so objective, isn't it? Well, no. Look at the rules. The rules are specifically crafted to exclude anybody but the Republicans or Democrats. Uh, I've seen this, as a matter of fact, not just in the debates and third parties and things. I've seen this at the Republican and Democrat conventions for president. Uh, Have you ever noticed? I've reported on it many times. If you go to the RNC presidential convention or you go to the DNC convention and people who disagree are not allowed to stand on the corner and disagree, you get arrested if you do that. They only permit opposing speech. This has been the situation for a very long time, even before we had all this stuff with social media. But this is exactly what they're doing on social media as well. You are allowed, if you go to the Republican or the Democrat, they both operate the same way, presidential, big conventions that they have, presidential years, you're allowed to go there and speak against them in protest. But only if you go into a cage, into a cage. And the cage will be several blocks away from the convention center so that nobody sees you or hears you. That is the perfect picture of what shadow banning is.
3: Well, what are you complaining about?
1: I mean, we've got like a little speaker's cage there, you know, it's like speaker's corner in Hyde park in the UK in London. Uh, but, uh, you know, nobody knows that you're there. Nobody can hear you. Yeah. If a tree falls in the woods, <laughs> uh, and nobody hears it, does it actually make any noise? Well, yes, it does. But if you're put in a cage blocks away from the convention and nobody hears you, did you make any noise? No, you didn't. And that's exactly what they do. You know that the government is running the social media corporations because they use exactly the same beards. Well, it's being done by a private organization, just like the debates. Oh, well, you know, you can talk all you want to. And here's a special cage for you to do it blocks away. So that's what this is all about. Shadow banning and de-boosting speech that is deemed to be hate is the equivalent of locking someone trying to speak out of a town square in a soundproof box and then telling them that they have free speech within the box. Now, that's what uh, Chris Minahan put there. Evidently, he's not aware of what happens at these conventions <laughs> at uh, the RNC and DNC. I mean, literally, they do that. They literally do that. They, it's not a soundproof box, but it might as well be because you're so far away from everything. It might as well be a soundproof box. So, the ADL last month threatened Musk with dire consequences if he replatformed dangerous individuals like Alex Jones, Nick Fuentes, Steve Bannon, Andrew Tate, David Duke, and of course, Trump. And that's why. He did the poll to reinstate former president Trump, hoping that Trump would come back because Trump is good business for him. It has nothing to do with supporting free speech. You understand that. Do you understand that Elon Musk will do whatever government wants, whether it is building a spaceship, satellites, electric cars that only run off of the grid? or controlling free speech. He will do whatever the governments want if they pay him. And that Faustian bargain that he's made with the devils that control this world is what's made him the richest man on earth. He has become the richest man on earth by compromising with the governments. So then that brings us to Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson immediately called for all anonymous users to be blocked from posting, quote, with real verified people. Well, even former CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, said that would be a big mistake. Look, <clears throat> um, it's just amazing to me to see as the G20 and the B20, <laughs> uh, all of them, are rolling out over the last uh, couple of days. Yes, we're all in agreement. You have to have an ID, a global ID. Think about that. You know, the biggest, um, uh, the biggest uh, economies, you're not going to travel, you're not going to do anything, and we're going to have this administered by the World Health Organization. And then you got Jordan Peterson saying, well, um, you need to have some kind of an ID. We don't want any anonymous users on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And of course, DARPA and Microsoft and the World Economic Forum and all the rest of them, they don't want any anonymous users on the internet, period. And they don't want you to have any anonymous cash purchases either. How could Jordan Peterson be so clueless? Well, I don't think he is. I think he's too smart. I, I think he's sold out. I really do. Um, Stop funding hate is really about shutting down any dissent from woke orthodoxy, says the Daily Skeptic. Hate really means anything that challenges a dominant narrative. That's exactly right. It's any opposition that they hate, that they hate. Uh, People having hurt feelings is not the basis for censorship. People are always going to be hurt by what you say. There will always be people who disagree with what you say. And um, they will say that you're not telling the truth, so you need to be shut down. Who gets to have the standard as to what is hateful and what is true? Well, the people who are going to censor say that decision belongs to them. The pressure group Stop Funding Hate was founded in 2016 by Richard Wilson, a former corporate fundraising officer for Amnesty International. Their tactic is to try to stop advertisers uh, from, uh, advertising newspapers, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, stop funding, <laughs> stop funding, period. Just hate. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's what my son said. He put that up on the board. Yeah. Stop funding it. Just hate these people. But again, notice that what they're doing is they're coming after the advertisers and this is the major pressure point with Musk regardless of what the guy believes. He understands that he's not going to, yeah, 89% of his funding comes from advertisers. And so he had a lot of advertisers putting pressure on him. That's what ADL is doing. Advertisers leave him if he's going to support free speech. And that's what this, um, stop funding hate, (laughs) uh, organization is doing, trying to put pressure on uh, people based on, uh, what is the, the content that is there uh that sell their uh, any newspapers that they said sell their products based on fear and division in other words if uh you disagree with the government you're divisive if you tell people the government is lying to you if you tell people the government's got other designs then you are pushing fear and you're pushing hate uh, as <laughs> The Daily Skeptic says, well, they could have really been useful during the COVID regime because all the newspapers are pushing fear. Uh, but strangely, they fell silent as the media consistently pushed fear and division. Stay away from these people, you know. Let's uh, so isolate these people who don't have masks, who don't have uh, vaccines. So the first big target for stop funding hate was the Daily Mail, a promotional series of free Lego toys was halted when stop funding, hate kicked up a stink with Lego for giving money to a newspaper that allegedly demonized immigrants. So they, uh, came after Lego because Lego had, um, paid for advertising on a newspaper, but they didn't agree with what the newspaper was saying about immigration, so they put pressure on Lego and they got Lego to stop running any ads on that newspaper. Uh, the, their power is undeniable as this person uh, wrote the article for daily skeptic is out of the UK. They said, uh, just watch, <coughs> excuse me, just watch GB news. <coughs> and you'll see that they're constantly advertising for people to advertise with them because even though they've got uh, a large and growing base of people, and this is where you'll see Nigel Farage and Mark Stein. They've got a a uh, growing base of people who want to get uh, another opinion uh that isn't just the sanitized government narrative. And so it's growing, but people are afraid to advertise with them. He said they struggle to get any companies to advertise despite growing audience figures. Recently my employer, Workers of England Union, bought some slots for a recruitment drive because it was surprisingly cheap for primetime shows. With Nigel Farage and Mark Stein. Soon after the advertisements appeared, General Secretary Stephen Morris was contacted by a volunteer, quote unquote, from Stop Funding Hate. The message appears to be a template, apart from the opening, Gen Z Pleasantry that will make you cringe. It says, Hello, wonderful, helpful union people. <laughs> That's the opening there. We're letting people know that when they're Adverts appear on GB News. Uh, In most cases, the adverts appear because they are part of a package with Sky and companies don't even know that they're being shown there. This channel has given out dangerous misinformation on COVID-19 and on climate change. You see? They gave out dangerous misinformation about our two precious MacGuffins. The two lies on which they are going to, hopefully for them, Uh, not for us, hopefully, but what they hope they're going to use to reset the world and enslave us all. The COVID-19 MacGuffin and the climate MacGuffin. So he says, uh, this channel recently mocked a meteorologist who warned about the heat wave, saying we should just enjoy the sunshine. It has deeply unpleasant anti-transgender and anti-migrant campaigns. I believe this is not a good place. For advertising your important services so forth said well we didn't respond to him figure why waste the time uh but um we'll talk a little bit more about where this is on free speech in just a moment i'm going to take a quick break uh before we go i want to thank conservative thinker thank you very much for the tip i just wanted to welcome back wolfman jack to the rockfin chat well good welcome back Wolfman. uh... and thank you conservative thinker we'll be right back the common man they created common core to dumb down our children they created common past to track and control us their commons project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future they see the common man as simple unsophisticated ordinary but each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of god that is what we have in common that is what they want to take away their most powerful weapons are isolation deception intimidation they desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us it's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at TheDavidNightShow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidNightShow.com. and i want to thank uh, some of the people who have sent checks to us by the way if you go to the Davidnightshow.com. Uh, that is where you'll find links to where the program is um, i will be posting those links on twitter as long as i'm there uh, presumably they'll continue to let me stay there but they'll shadow ban it uh, but um, uh, you'll find links to uh, where we are on gab uh, if we add some other social media that'll also be there but most importantly you'll find uh, links to various uh, podcast hosts where you can download the podcast. Uh, it gets uh, pushed out from Spreaker. That is the home source for it, but you can find it in a lot of other places. Uh, so if you're having trouble finding it, and that's the other thing that I've I've noticed, it is difficult to find uh, if you search for it on iTunes or something like that. So if you want the direct link, we've got that. Uh, it is on iTunes. We're on uh, everywhere except for. Uh, Spotify, Spotify has always banned me, and um, you know, they've banned me multiple times because every time we switch to a different podcast host, they push it out to all different places and they'll go out to um, Spotify for a couple of weeks before they ban the content. Uh, but um, you'll find where it is on video platforms, on BitShoot, on Rumble, on uh, YouTube, and on Odyssey and on Odyssey. It takes us a little bit of time each day. It takes me some time to come up with an outline after the fact because I, I do the show live, and I've got um, articles and topics that I want to cover, but I don't really have any, anything that's scripted. And so after the fact, I try to give people uh, an outline, and it's fairly detailed. You know, about every uh, ten minutes, I, I talk about what particular topic I'm talking on. Uh, so you can look at that, and on Rockfin. Uh, you can actually click on the time code and it'll take you right into the video. That's the only one of the alternative platforms that do that. You know, YouTube does that, but I'm banned from YouTube. Um, but, um, on Odyssey, uh, you can look at the outline in the description and it'll take you right to that spot. That outline is also on the podcast, but of course I don't think it takes you to that point, but if you're listening to it, you can uh, fast forward to that. But I want to thank, um, you, you can also see, uh, how we're doing in terms of, um, uh, support for the month and you can support us if you would like to the links on how to do that. If you want to send a check, the PO box, uh, Zelle is another way that you can send something to us without a fee, but, uh, subscribe star is very important to us. It has been our base of support since we started. So we really do appreciate uh, the people there and they can, um, uh, what did I say? Did I say rock uh okay. No, not Rockfin, it's Odyssey, where you can click on the on the link. Um, and of course you'll find the links to uh, Rockfin, the show as well, but it is Odyssey in the description where it will take you to the time code. I didn't realize I said Rockfin. But anyway, Odyssey. Odyssey is where you can uh look at the outline and click on the number and it will take you right to that spot in the timeline. But I want to thank some of the people who have supported us. Checks so that we've just gotten in. Uh, Martin T. Thank you very much, Tom and Nancy. Thank you, uh, very faithful supporters uh, for a long time. David and Joan also. Thank you very much, and Keith T. Thank you very much uh, for support. Um, I want to talk just a little bit more about shadow banning, uh, as Breitbart headline says: Elon Musk restores Babylon B to Twitter, and then promises to shadow ban wrong think. Do you think Babylon B will? satirize that (laughs) i don't think they will you know it is kind of interesting i think to, to watch as i said before people who um at one point in time had about the same or less uh twitter followers than i did and then when all this stuff started happening people started getting shadow banned or kicked off altogether i noticed several of them decided that what they would do is put up controversial things that they thought might get them banned. They would put them up as, you know, they'd put up the meme that somebody else did, or they'd put up a clip that somebody else did or whatever. And uh, then they would just uh, say, well, look at this. Or they'd say, what do you think about this? Or uh, They would not give their opinion. Now, as I said before, um, <clears throat> They want to see what your opinion is, and um, you know so from that standpoint that's fine. you know, tell people your opinion i'm all I'm, I'm not about trying to hide anything uh, but i've got to say that if you if your business is to report the news and to analyze the news, it seems to me like it's rather pointless to do that. What is to be gained if you're going to say, well, I'm not gonna actually come out and say what I think about this. I'm gonna just throw this up and see what other people think about it. And they got more engagement doing that. It really worked for them. And, uh, you know, now they've got 300,000 or more followers, so what? What's the point? They're still afraid to talk. They're still afraid to tell people the truth. They're still afraid to analyze what's going on out there. I don't see any point in that. That's why I'm not interested in uh, being on Twitter because Twitter really is pointless. Twitter has long been criticized for shadow banning accounts, writes Breitbart shadow banning means that Twitter limits the reach of these accounts tweets from the affected account, not appearing on people who follow them, doesn't appear on their timeline. It's like being deleted or hidden and the visibility of the account negatively affected. So it's, um, you know, one of these deceptive things to make you think that you're there. But you're not there, and I'm just not going to waste my time on it. Uh, so, um, as he said, uh, Max deboosted and demonetized. If we don't like what you're saying, they said this is exactly how shadow banning has always worked in the past. In other words, there's absolutely no difference, really, if you look at uh, what Musk is saying he's going to do, bragging about it. Now, German public TV compares Elon Musk to Goebbels. Well, they did that in order to attack him, to call him a Nazi. But we have to understand that Goebbels was not even the first one to push out effective propaganda. Edward Bernays did it for Woodrow Wilson when Woodrow Wilson wanted to get us involved in World War I. And you had other people like uh, William Randolph Hearst, you know, putting out, yeah, I can get you a war. Where do you want the war, right, even before that? Uh, Edward Bernays went on to Madison Avenue. He's very successful doing that. Because it was always about propaganda. That was what he was an expert in. And so Goebbels I mean, got there well after Edward Bernays and Hearst. Uh, but um, <laughs> the, uh, the German newspaper said put out a tweet thanks to Elon Musk, you're allowed to say anything again on Twitter total freedom of speech. And then the caption, it was all looked, uh, it all invoked, uh, Nazi era propaganda look and a color scheme and all the rest of this. There in the caption, it says, do you want total tweet? And that was a reference to Goebbels 1943 speech where he asked the people if they want total war and the crowd that was there leapt to their feet shouting, yes, yes. Raising their arms, see how, that type of thing. And so they're accusing him of being a Nazi. Well, uh, as um, Zero Hedge points out, leaving aside the extreme mental contortionism required to associate freedom of speech with Nazi Germany, this is what they're saying. They're saying that if you support freedom of speech, you're the Nazi. Inside out and upside down, that's everything that we've got right now. Everything. Yeah. Uh, Up is down. Uh, good is evil, all the rest of the stuff. And, you know, free speech is Nazi. So leaving the uh, extreme mental contortionism required to associate freedom of speech with Nazi Germany, if ever there was a don't throw stones in a glass house moment, this was it. For as it so happens during the second world war, the founding director of this paper, ZDF, Karl Holzhammer himself served in one of the propaganda units that none other than Goebbels' Ministry of Propaganda embedded with different divisions of the German military. How often have we seen this kind of projection? So here's a German newspaper. The founder worked for Goebbels. The founder worked for Goebbels and propaganda. He was in the propaganda unit of the Luftwaffe, online lexicon of de Wehrmacht, Cites Goebbels himself explained that uh, their propaganda troops ensure the coordination between propaganda warfare and armed warfare in the theater of operations. But we frequently see this. You know, you go back to the Russian collusion lie sold by Hillary Clinton, right? Well, part of that was misdirection. Part of that was a red herring. As um, Julian Assange uh, exposed her emails. It became all about, or whoever released the stuff, you know, to Julian Assange, uh, Seth rich or whatever. You know, The FBI wants to keep that stuff secret for decades now, nothing to see there, of course, but, um, that stuff was released and to keep people from looking at the content, Hillary Clinton made it about, well, who released it? Don't look at the content, look at who released it and then she projected this whole Russian collusion thing when they were, in fact, colluding with Ukraine. So this kind of projection that you see being done by the German newspaper that was founded by a guy who was a propagandist for Goebbels calling Musk Goebbels because Musk made some statements about free speech. And again, I don't believe that Musk is going to support free speech. It's absolutely astounding. Germany has been leading the global push for online censorship in recent years, notably in the name of combating misinformation. It's ironic that one of the explicit tasks of the propaganda troops in which ZDF's founder, Holzhammer, served, was precisely to spread misinformation. They said, um, war reporting is to combat propaganda, combating enemy propaganda, camouflaging German forces' own operations by using targeted misinformation. How many times have we seen that? Now we have uh, Walter Block of the Mises Institute uh, had this headline, talking about, uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about the fact that Alex Jones is not going to be brought back. So Walter Block said, uh, Alex Jones is innocent. Well, actually, no. You know, nobody e- <laughs> In any trial, you are never found innocent. You're found not guilty. Uh, there's a legal difference. <laughs> there's a moral difference in it as well. There's no one who's good. Uh, there's no one who is righteous, and there's no one who is innocent. Uh, but he is um, uh, what, what Brock is block is saying is that he's not guilty. The problem is that Alex didn't defend himself and he didn't defend the second amendment. That's a real issue. What block is saying is that if we're going to prosecute and persecute people for hurting somebody's feelings, right? and this is where this all happens. This is a hate crime. This is has been rolling out for quite some time. When they started this whole thing of hate crime, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you bringing that in? Because now you've got people in here judging somebody's motivations. Let's say you got, uh, you've got a couple of, um, uh, like that case that was in Wyoming, there's a couple of uh, homosexual guys that were um, you know, murdered. And so murder itself is a crime. Uh, And it is one of the most heinous crimes under our law. So, therefore, that ought to be sufficient. And if you want to bring in hate, that might be part of the prosecution's case in terms of arguing motive, in terms of proving their case that these people did the crime See, we've got a history of hate, and we just had a a gay bar, drag bar, something like that that was shot up. So I imagine that's going to be a factor in that as well. Uh, But the murder is the issue, and the uh, hatred is part of the motivation that you might look at. So there's a lot of things when you're trying to convict somebody of something that's as serious. Uh, You have to look at physical evidence. You have to show that there's motive and a lot of other things. So always that was there, but that was never and should never be a separate crime. There should be no such thing as hate crimes. Uh, because now you're in the, in the situation of judging somebody's state of mind and their internal uh, motivations, and that's something that you can't really accurately judge. It's hard enough to determine if somebody killed somebody else. And, and the motivation of hate is just one of many factors that would be involved in that. Uh, but you can't really... Um, if you make that a crime, this is that for the longest time it was going to end up where we are right now. And, and that is uh hate itself or somebody's idea of hate is going to become the most important of crimes. And it is something that's very subjective. And so <clears throat> what he's saying here is that um uh, he makes the example here saying, well, okay, so Alex said something that was wrong. Well, so what he says, I could say that Martin Luther King was a guard with the New York Knicks of the national basketball association. Also a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I could say that Martin Luther King Jr. Was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. I could say that Woody Allen won an Olympic gold medal in boxing in the heavyweight division. And he goes on with all these different absurd things. He goes, um, is, is that something that uh, somebody should be punished for? Or is it something that we dispute factually? So the appropriate response to something that is not true is to challenge it and to disprove it. But we don't do that. Instead, the government says it's not true, and we will punish that because the government says so. And if somebody says that their feelings are hurt, oh, now it really becomes a big issue. Um, so, you know, the problem is that Alex chose not to defend himself and he chose not to, uh, defend free speech. I know that his legal counsel, we complied with all the discovery and all the rest of this stuff. Do you remember the Perry Mason moment? See, so I knew from the inside that that was not, <laughs> that he wasn't going to do it. He was bragging, uh, to everybody that he wasn't going to do it. Just like he's bragging to uh, his followers now that he's, you know, going to appeal this and drag this out forever. And that's what he was saying. That was his strategy. I'm going to appeal it. I'm going to drag it out forever. And implied in that was he was going to stash his money in various other places. And so he did not comply with it. It was shown in court when they accidentally sent information that he had not complied with it. So the whole idea that this was a witch hunt, that they didn't give him a chance in court. That is not true either. You see, uh, it was shown. It was a very embarrassing moment, but it was uh, for him, but it was shown. It was a Perry Mason moment, as he pointed out. Uh, so going back to Walter Block, he says if hurt feelings justify punitive payments, then every movie or book reviewer who wrote critically of the of a subject is in trouble. He says um if you cast aspersions on a team because they're doing poorly in spite of having a good talent on the team, well, their feelings are going to be hurt, and it's actually going to perhaps affect uh, their future contracts. He says, it's just plain silly to think it's justified to compel anyone to pay anyone else damages whenever the former hurts the feelings of the latter. Yet, what else is it that Alex Jones has done other than denying a sad fact of history to the consternation of a group of folks? That's why he should have defended it. But he says, suppose I was to deny that any mass shootings, ending in murder, ever took place in the entire history of the U.S. And as a matter of fact, we've uh, had swarms of people who have done exactly that. Uh, That would not exactly make me very popular in many European countries and in Canada as well. To deny or to deprecate the severity of the Holocaust will earn you a spell in jail. Many people, not only of the Jewish faith, Take great umbrage at such goings on. As a Jew, he says, this is Walter uh, Block, I can attest that many of my ancestors fell victim to these na- Nazi pr- deprivations, depredations. Uh, these deniers are hurtful to many, but should any of them be made to pay compensation to those who are offended, let alone be sent to prison? You know, Noam Chomsky, one of his uh, finest moments, I think, was the fact that he said, look, I'm Jewish. I find this offensive. I don't agree with it. I think it's absolutely false, but the appropriate response is not to jail people who deny the Holocaust, but to engage them in debate. And that's exactly the way anything ought to be done. But of course, these people don't want candidates in debates either, right? They don't want debates. They want their narrative pushed out there. And they will always come in with something that you might be sympathetic with. And so kudos to Walter Block for saying, you know, even opinions that I don't agree with, I think ought to be out there, because that's what really free speech is about. Uh, If so, what would be the legal basis of justification for any such penalty? Hurt feelings simply will not suffice. Well, he's exactly right. The um, Swedish parliament, however, has now approved constitutional amendment limiting freedom of the press. This is where we are right now. We are on a rapid path. This is why this is so important. How did they get away with what they pulled on us in 2020 with a pandemic? And how are they going to get away with the rest of the stuff that they're doing and bringing it back and leaving all this stuff in? Well, it's because they shut down freedom of the press and free speech of the people. Those are two separate things. If you are going to shut down the free speech of the people on these de facto public squares like Twitter, Uh, you're going to wind up with this. And so it's no surprise, really, when you look at the fact that it's Sweden that is doing this. Uh, Sweden, (laughs) they did an amendment to their constitution. You know, we have an amendment to our constitution to support free speech. Well, the Swedish socialists have decided that they'll go hard in the other direction. And it's really not surprising when you look at the particular um, attack on free speech, the new changes, could see journalists and others such as whistleblowers prosecuted for disclosing secret information that may damage Sweden's relationship with other countries or international organizations that's exactly what they did to Julian Assange remember it was sweden that was uh, the um um the sock puppet for the cia in terms of coming after julian assange they came up with the bogus rape charges and then eventually dropped them because they didn't have any proof. But then what they wound up with, with Julian Assange, was essentially like a perjury trap, you know, because he evaded those charges and they put him in uh, the, the British jail. But it was Sweden that was at the very basis of that. And what was it that they were coming after him for? Well, you know, because there was information there. he was disclosing secret information that was damaging to the U.S. government's relationship to its image. uh, And uh, Sweden wanted to uh, suck up to that. And so uh, it's not a surprise at all to see them encoding this in law. Europe, by the way, warns that he must hire hundreds of moderators to limit free speech. Well, it's not actually Europe that's doing this. Um, It is the EU government And it is one bureaucrat there, this guy, uh, Theory Breton. I've played this clip before. As soon as Musk said he was going to buy Twitter, this EU bureaucrat in charge of censorship flew to Austin, and then this happened.
2: So we're in, uh, in, in Austin together with,
1: uh, with uh, Elon Musk. Uh, thank you very much, Elon, for welcoming me. Thank you. most welcome. And uh, of course, I was happy to, to be able to explain to you the DSA, uh, yes. a new regulation in Europe. And I think that uh, now you understand very well. It yeah. fits pretty well with what you think we should do on a platform. No, I think it's exactly aligned with my thinking. I, think I very much agree with it. Uh, it's been a great discussion. And um, I, I really think... Uh, I agree with everything you said. Really, uh, I think we're all very much of the same mind, and um, and uh, you know, I think just uh, anything that uh, you know my companies can do that would be beneficial to Europe, we want to do that. I just what to say. No, thank you very much. So that's uh, again a good example. That uh, when we we see that it could be some differences, especially when we are speaking things so important for our fellow citizens, yes, as in life in the digital space, the best is to come and discuss. This is what we did. And I'm happy to see this for your life. Sounds, sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank for you that. very Thank much. You. Oh, scrape. Wow, scrape. Okay. <laughs> it's painful to watch, isn't it? Um, and so uh, Theory Breton, that bureaucrat that was there, talking about the DSA. It's not the TSA. The DSA. Uh, that's EU's <clears throat> Digital Services Act. Digital Services Act. Yeah, we're going to tell um, Internet companies what they must do to censor. So he's back. Talking again uh, in an interview with Bloomberg, uh, he is in the process of reducing a certain number of moderators. He says, uh, "Theory Bar- Breton says of Musk, he's in Musk is in the process of reducing a certain number of moderators, but he will have to increase them in Europe." He said, "Musk will have to open his algorithms. We will have control. We will have access. People will no longer be able to say rubbish." Well, what does he mean by rubbish? Well, anything that disagrees with him, right? Rubbish is anything, as Zero Hedge points out, that Europe's unelected technocrats disagree with, which in these days is anything that is not endorsed by the World Economic Forum. So we will have control. We will have access to Twitter. It's like the outer limits, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We are in control of your television set. Uh, we will control the vertical. We will control the horizontal. <laughs> you just set back and let this, uh, into your, into your head. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. And we will say, no, no longer will people be able to say anything that we don't like. Uh, and so in that particular video that I showed you when he, you know, when all this stuff first began, uh, he had, he said then, and later on that Twitter will fly by our rules. Uh, that was actually when, uh, when, uh, Musk completed the transaction, he said, the bird is free and Breton said, the bird will fly by our rules. I mean, this guy is a proud boasting authoritarian totalitarian bureaucrat. And you saw how Elon Musk was bowing and scraping to him. You can forget about Twitter. Forget about Twitter, go to gab, uh, you know, go to one of these other sites. You know, Andrew Torba is the real deal and he's not going to bow these people, uh, anyway, the EU's DSA digital services act gives governments power to enforce rules governing how tech companies moderate content and to decide when they must take down illegal content. And if you do not comply with them, they'll hit you for like 6% of your global revenues, that type of thing. You're going to have to have a um, a, a uh, platform, if you want to speak, that's not going to be held captive to these EU rules, which means it's going to have to be outside of it. And if anybody from uh, the European Union wants to get on, they use a VPN or something like that to hide where they're coming from. Uh, the DSA specifically will also enforce companies to moderate content and the languages that they operate in, according to Bloomberg. Uh, so this is really about total control. It really is about economic control. This is why this is going to these vaccine IDs, global IDs that the G20 and the B20 were talking about, uh, the, the, big, the 20 big governments and the 20 big economies. Uh, they're pushing that because this is about economic control. Remember, World Economic Forum. Just call them fascist. They're economic fascists merger of governments and corporations to control you with economic fascism. It was a lesson that was well-learned by the Nazis. They tried to take over Europe twice by military force. And then they realized that they could take over all of Europe and zivert by economic means. So Breton, again, he's not finished. This little preening bureaucrat, unelected. He knows perfectly well what the conditions are for Twitter to continue operating in Europe. He said, <clears throat> and, um, uh, that's exactly right. Europe has fallen. Europe is no longer free.
3: <coughs> uh,
1: so we're going to take a quick break here. Um, I see that, uh, Tina and Mike, uh, thank you for the tip. I said, sent a check October the 27th. Still hasn't cleared the bank. Did you receive it? I think, um, it's on the list here. Um, and I did not mention your name yet. I, let me mention some of the other people on this list here. Uh, Mary Ellen M, Michael and Sharon M, uh, Michael and Tina G, and Keith T. Now, I don't know if that somehow got separated. <coughs> I know that Karen is on her way to the bank as we speak. So if you don't see it clearing soon, let us know.
0: I apologize for the delay. <coughs>
1: I'm going to take a quick break, uh, clear my throat, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. The David Knight Show. All right. And um, how would you shut down free speech if you don't have control of a social media site, for example? Well, you do it this way Uh, you can just um, make a lot of statements about how you think there's going to be violence because you don't like the uh, people who are going to be speaking, uh, that there's going to be uh, a protest, it may get violent, and then you'll likely find the mayor and the police shutting down the event. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, here's a scenario. Some extremists don't like the ideas that would be expressed at an event. So they issue threats of violence via social media. The mayor and the police chief of the relevant jurisdiction then shut down the event on the grounds of public safety. If this sounds like a recipe for easily squelching speech, you dislike. Well, uh, that's another thing. Uh, It just happened. And, of course, this is in Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, There was an event that was organized by Josh Denny, a comedian. But what the local paper emphasized, and they had a lot of uh, Antifa people sending social media messages, but uh, NorthJersey.com emphasized that the event was going to feature Proud Boys founder Gavin McGinnis. Well, that was enough. Uh, That, along with some threats, Uh, well, you know, I think that this is hateful and I think we're going to have to do something about it. Okay, we'll just shut their speech down. That's the easy way uh, to do that if you don't have uh, control of a social media site. CBS News announced a pause on Twitter over uncertainty over Musk and then, after about uh, two days, comes back to post on the platform. Free speech is certainly a scary thought for those who have counted on being protected from opposing views. However, this is a journalist organization, said Jonathan Turley. But after they threw a tantrum, they were back after just 40 hours. Because, again, uh, whatever else it may be, Twitter is the place where the um, uh, mainstream media likes to post. And, again, I'm not going to be using it um, much Uh, to comment, but it is a a place where you can see breaking news that uh, is faster than uh, the mainstream media gets it put out there. And um, typically they'll pick up stuff from that. I know uh, a lot of people in the alternative media that do nothing but grab their stuff off of Twitter. So why does it work so well? Well, almost half of young people are too frightened to dispute the idea of white privilege for fear of being labeled a racist. These are maybe white kids who don't have any privilege. Maybe they're poor, whatever, but they don't want to get hit by the mob. As I said many times, the what we're seeing now is uh, arguments from authority. That's coming from the Milgram experiment. You remember that, you know, telling somebody to administer electric shock and they pretended somebody was actually being shocked. But they found that uh, with an authority figure, that people would administer these shocks, even though the actor on the other side was making it clear they were in extreme distress, even up to the point of death. And then they replicated that experiment from the 1960s. They replicated it in the 1990s on a um, French TV show where the audience was caught up and involved in it. The audience thought it was real, and they were cheering it on. Uh, So they replicated this experiment Different times, different countries, different cultures, always the same thing. The argument from authority is so incredibly powerful, but there's another one, and that is the mob, your peer pressure. And that was what Solomon Ashe did in 1951, the Ash experiment. He found that even when he put up very obvious things, like, you know, which stick is longer than the other one, and, and they did it as a control uh, group, they found that when there was no pressure, From the other people in the room, that people got it right with only a 1% error. Only 1% of the time would they give the wrong answer because these are pretty obvious things. And um, but when they did it and loaded the audience, they found that they could get 75% of the people would go along with the crowd, even when they knew the answer was wrong. And that's what's happening now. Half of young people are too frightened. To dispute the idea of white privilege for fear of being labeled a racist, nearly half of Britain's young people are too frightened of being ostracized uh, to challenge beliefs in white privilege. Uh, so, uh, when Solomon Ash did his experiment in 1951, he wrote that intelligent, well-meaning young people are willing to call black white is a matter of concern. It wasn't interesting that he used black and white because now we're talking about white privilege and that is a something that was direct directly created uh, and used by marxists you know the um uh, weather underground bill Ayers, Bernadine dorn they popularized white skin privilege a marxist idea they tried to make this about uh, race, as opposed to economic class struggle, uh, they tried to make it about a race struggle because they weren't having any traction with that. And of course, Bill Ayers went into education, and they shortened it up instead of white skin privilege, just white privilege now. But as a Marxist idea, they said 40% of the 18 to 20 year olds taught about white privilege and similar concepts said they were afraid of being outed for their beliefs if they disagreed. Critics of the notion of white privilege suggest that it ignores the achievements of people from diverse backgrounds, such as the uh, globalist now prime minister, Fishi Rishi Sunak, who is Hindu and whose parents are of Indian descent. So, you know, uh, Fishi Rishi is the richest prime minister that the UK has ever had. As a matter of fact, I don't know if it's true or not, because I think the royal family's got a lot of hidden money. But they say he's got more money than even the king does. So should we start talking about Indian privilege? Should we start hating all Indian people because you've got this filthy, rich, privileged guy, Rishi Sunak? No, he's got rich privilege, right? He's got rich privilege. There's a lot of Indian people uh, who don't have any privilege just like there's a lot of white people, and people of every group, the vast majority of people of every group uh, don't have that. But we look at the people at the top and we demonize them and then demonize everybody in that group. We see this happening with every ethnic group over and over again, but now it really has focused on white privilege. So Toby Young of the Free Speech Union, if you remember, he also has Daily Skeptic, and uh, all of that was deplatformed by PayPal recently caused a big issue. PayPal pulled back. And then after everything settled down, they put those same policies that they said, we had no idea how those policies got in. I don't know how that got there. After everybody shut up about it, they put those policies back in. Anyway, Toby Young of the Free Speech Union said, schools should not be teaching these politically contentious theories as if they were indisputably true. It leaves children feeling ashamed of their country and fearful that if they say something positive about Britain, they will be accused of racism and targeted for cancellation. Well, that's the whole point. The whole point of these Marxists is to weaponize uh, speech, weaponize race and the rest of the stuff in order to destroy each and every one of these countries in order to destroy Western civilization so they can establish their new world order. He said, we passed a law in 1996 in the UK making it illegal to politically indoctrinate children. They can be taught about political issues, but only if they're given a balanced presentation of opposing views. Well, that's a pretty naive idea, right? Uh, The idea that we got a law against this kind of thing. Well, who's going to enforce that law? Who's going to enforce free speech? Any of these laws. They're not self-enforcing. They're pieces of paper, they're principles that are there, but if we don't embrace those principles as a people, and if we don't embrace them as individuals, they don't self enforce. And it is a naive understanding of education. As I pointed out many times, R.L. Dabney, when he was talking about education, um, said that education is not about even things like math or reading, you know, neutral things like that or any other skills. Uh, That is not fundamentally education. Education is really about a moral foundation, about character. And that means that it is also about religion. And R.L. Dabney said it's one of the reasons why you've got to get government out of it completely. Somebody's religion, somebody's politics is going to be taught. And the others are going to be excluded. And so there will be no freedom of speech. There will be no freedom of thought, there will be no freedom of religion if we don't have freedom of education. And that means getting the government out of it. When the government joins in with religion, when the government joins in with education, what do you wind up with? Government. When politics uh, is added to any of these things, you simply wind up with politics. Earl Dabney, who wrote in the 1870s, would not be surprised at this at all. He predicted all of it. He said, if you have a government school, then it's uh, going to teach religion, whether that is atheism or whether it's Christianity or whether it's some other religion. It's inescapable because, uh, and especially if you were to keep the kids in as long as we keep them uh, in school, all the way up to the age of 18. It is not simply about uh, reading and writing and math. They don't even bother to
0: pretend that they teach those things anymore
1: We're going to take a quick break and uh, we will be right back. Stay with us.
3: The globalist Next Move. And now, The David Night
1: Show. Well, I spent about half the program talking about free speech because it is that important. If we can't speak to each other, if we can't talk about the government, if we can't challenge the ideas that are out there, we have a totalitarian society. It's just that simple. But I want to talk about what is happening as we put so much hope. You know, everybody's so dashed in their hopes about the Republicans, the conservatives that I talked to. Oh, well, the Republicans just didn't do well, you know, casting around, looking for reasons. Well, it's because of this abortion thing. We should have shut up about abortion. We should never have gotten involved in trying to defend babies that are being ripped apart while they're alive or other things. And so, right after this election happens. We see the people like, uh, governor Dwine in Ohio immediately stabs his supporters in the back over gun control. Uh, we see the Senate rhinos, uh, that are pushing the respect for marriage act. You had 12 of them, uh, switch over to the other side. So 62 votes to uh, push the respect for marriage act guard goldsmith has an excellent op-ed piece that you'll find on his Substack, stack. And um, <clears throat> I, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to him about this. And I want to talk about what he has because he's got some excellent points about this. But before I get into it, I just want to go back to ages and ages ago, ancient history, 2008. And here is Barack Obama as he's running for president. Talking about marriage.
0: Uh, Define marriage. I believe that marriage uh, is the union between a man and a woman. Now, for me as a Christian, for me, for me as a Christian, it's also a sacred union. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, God's in in the mix.
1: Uh Um, Okay, that was Rick Warren a uh, purpose-driven life. I wonder what his purpose was in having that forum there. <laughs> uh, so uh, that was 2008 candidate Obama. Oh yeah. Marriage is between a man and a woman and God is in the mix there. And as a Christian, I believe that he said, well, it rings pretty hollow, doesn't it? And here we are, you know, um, 14 years later and look at where we are. We have Republicans who publicly don't support marriage and look at where the Democrats are a recent development says guard goldsmith in DC that reflects the pervading and prevailing contemporary ignorance of the U S constitution also sheds light on how opportunistic and deceptive many politicians truly are. You know, let me just interject here and say it, it reminds me of the who, right? Don't get fooled again. The parting on the right is now parting on the left, <laughs> what you might say, right? All these guys were taking a conservative. Obama was on the right 14 years ago when it came to marriage. Uh, and now the Republicans are parting to the left 14 years later. Don't get fooled again. Uh, Guard Goldsmith says uh, Jerry Nadler introduced in the U.S., House, an Orwellian bill that he and his allies claim will revoke a previous GOP-passed Orwellian statute called the Defense of Marriage Act that was passed in 1996. Both of these show utter contempt for the right of marriage, R-I-T-E, right? Because it's religious. And so Gard makes the point, and I agree with him, that the government needs to get out of the defining marriage business. Because it is a religious issue. Uh, He says, um, uh, getting government involved in marriage is not a defense. It is a political invasion and it is a usurpation of religious ceremony. He said, um, yeah, like I said before, you let government define education, what are you going to wind up with? You're not going to wind up with education, you're going to wind up with the government. We don't want government defining education. We don't want government defining marriage, one way or the other. And this is why I've said, It's such a trap to see Lindsey Graham pushing, well, let's let the Senate define when life begins. You know, the uh, Supreme Court pretended that they knew, and then they kicked it back to the states. Let's not do that. Let's bring it in as a federal issue again. Vote for me. I'm a Republican. I'm going to be with you on this, right? And uh, trying to reclaim this wedge issue that Republicans have always had. But if you do that, then what you're going to see is you're going to see a rapid switch just like we've seen with marriage. You're going to see the, if you had the votes, which you know they thought at the time, Lindsey Graham was talking about that. Oh yeah. We're going to have a big Senate majority and we're going to make sure that that Senate majority happens. And then we're going to protect life in the Senate. And I said at the time, it's a trap. It's a trap because that majority is not going to last very long. It's constantly going back and forth. Now they're going to wind up with an even bigger majority than they, the Democrats did than they had before. So the Republicans, the, the talk of that has died down, but that was a trap because if they federalize that issue in order to define it the way that you like it, then in a couple of election cycles, it's going to be redefined in a way that you don't like it. As we've seen here with marriage, as Gard is pointing out, you know, we had the Defense of Marriage Act, and now we have the offense of a marriage act. You know, they're going to go on offense against marriage from a conservative standpoint because this is not something that the federal government should be involved in. It's a religious issue here. Um, and, uh, and it's different from abortion. I just think uh, you know, abortion, protection of life is a responsibility of government. You gotta, government should be stopping the murder of people. Uh, the institutionalized for profit murder of people at any age. And, uh, so that is a different issue, but it is also, we've always had the, uh, you know, protection against murder and that type of crime has always been done at the state level and it is better to do it at the state level. Quite frankly, look at what the FBI has become. You know, we try to have a federal Bureau of investigation. Oh, we're going to help you solve crimes. We're going to have this massive database of fingerprints and all the rest of the stuff. What has it wound up becoming? Well, even at the time of Harry Truman, when it was only a couple of decades old, Harry Truman called the FBI a Gestapo. You think they've changed? You think this is something new? They've been a Gestapo from the 1940s. The FBI has been a Gestapo. So anyway, Nadler going back to guard, uh, guard Goldstein. Nadler and his associates claim. That the House Bill 8404 will repeal the Defense of Marriage Act, which allowed state governments to not recognize same sex marriages from other states. In other words, they want to mandate that all states recognize as legal any marriage license from any state. Which says, first of all, on the most superficial level, the U.S. Supreme Court has already ruled that the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act is unconstitutional. Uh, the Legal Information Institute notes, uh, this law's sections were ruled unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court in cases such as U.S. versus Windsor, 2013, and Obergefell, in 2015. Which brings us to the deeper point. Something, says "Guard." I tried to stress when I wrote a 2006 Mises Institute piece called Don't Let Government Define Marriage or Optimal Child-Rearing Environments. He said, regardless of how much conservatives in various states or on a national level might want to define a quote-unquote marriage as a union between a man and a woman, the full-faith credit and credit clause of the Constitution requires all states to recognize as legal any legal contract or document from another state. This is a very important point. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to spend the time here that uh, Guard hit on. Because you have a full faith and credit clause of the Constitution and every state has to recognize as legal any legal contract in another state, that under that circumstance here, that already, uh, that would nullify the Defense of Marriage Act, even if the Supreme Court hadn't done it. And it makes this um, uh, marriage, this new thing, Respect for Marriage Act, they call it, it makes it irrelevant and redundant. Because we have already a requirement in the Constitution that contracts that are legal in one state have to be recognized in another state. He says that's why Jerry and the Nadalettes didn't need to pass this new bill and why the 12 rhinos didn't need to support it. The U.S. Constitution already mandates contracts and licenses from one state must be recognized as such and all. So why did they do this? Well, of course, they're virtue signaling. Virtue signaling to the left. But he's correct in pointing out that they don't want to talk about this full faith and credit thing because that would have implications for the Second Amendment. If you're a licensed gun owner in another state, right, (laughs) Uh, then that should be recognized. And we all understand how heinous that is. I've seen this, as a matter of fact, in New Jersey of all places, where Jerry Nadler is from. I've seen horrific prosecutions and persecutions of people who are licensed concealed carry owners in other states, and they don't recognize that. And they come after these people as if they were gunrunners or something like that or cartel members or, and, um, and and just destroy their lives. And so if you understand that, and, and guard is absolutely correct about that, if you understand that, then you realize <laughs> – that this is not so much a betrayal of conservatives on the marriage issue as it is a betrayal of gun owners. But there is another betrayal here, and uh, that is enabling religious persecution. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But getting back to his points about whether or not it is constitutional or not, he says even if the Supreme Court majority rules a state or federal statute as unconstitutional,
2: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Guard says, remember, that doesn't eliminate the statute. The statute is still there. You will have um, uh, local jurisdictions will say, well, we're not going to enforce that statute because if we did... Uh, the person would appeal that and take it up to the Supreme Court and get struck down, and we'd be wasting our time. So it has the effect of nullifying it, but it is still there. He says, so yeah, like the uh, SCOTUS twice already struck down Defense of Marriage Act, but we're just putting in this statute to reiterate the full faith and credit clause, what it already says. Nadler is an attorney. And many of his fellow attorney legislators aren't saying that, likely for a couple of reasons. First, maybe they're unaware of this obvious fact. <laughs> Second, though, and perhaps more importantly, says Guard, if they were to actually acknowledge the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution, they would have to admit any state gun license must be recognized as valid in another state. Of course, it's unconstitutional and immoral for any federal, state, or local political gang to demand that people get licenses or anything else from them in order to exercise the inherent God-given right to keep and bear arms. And it is a violation of the Constitution. But he says it's important to note that the most fundamental aspect of the marriage problem is the trouble created by shifting marriage out of its proper place in the religious sphere and getting the state politicians involved in licensing and recognizing legal marriage. As I wrote in 2006, Guard says, a state sanctioned marriage is a government proffered benefit, granting unique government treatment by law and forcing certain actions by private industry under the law. You see, whenever you have a situation like that, you, you, you add money to it and you add strings to the money. And uh, we have to be careful about state-sanctioned education that comes with carrots of funding and sticks of law. That's exactly what we have to be concerned about because um, the government will define education. It will punish what it doesn't see some way as education, but they get the money there to get you dependent on them, and in many cases, that is enough for them to be able to control what you do. Guard goes on to say George and Martha Washington never had a marriage license. Most Americans didn't need them until the mid-1800s. It is likely they would be appalled by the degree to which we have gotten the government involved in a sacred religious ceremony. That's true. The original 19th century U.S. attempts to involve the state in marriage often came from people who didn't want black and white couples to wed. Since then, Generation after generation has been fighting over what the government will do. The tragedy is that we're always pushing things into the government sphere. And it really is another sign of our weakness. That we're afraid to define education. We're afraid to define marriage and to keep it out of the government's hands. Everything that we see now is we believe that it should, uh, you know, well, there ought to be a law about that. Right? One way or the other. And that's why everybody is fighting everybody over which one way will be allowed. There will be no competing narratives, there'll be no competing ideas of anything allowed anywhere. And it all has to be resolved in Washington. And this is why people are so obsessed about the presidency, because they think that they can elect a benevolent dictator who's going to push their point of view. You know, many people thought, uh, many conservatives saw school, government school, as a way that was going to enforce their values on people, inculcate their values in young people. Uh, And at first, that's what it did. It followed what the, you know, uh, the vast majority of people wanted in order to get itself established. But that was never the intention of a people like Horace Mann and John Dewey. That was never their intention. Their intention was always to subvert the family and to educate kids and take the society in the direction that they wanted. They always wanted to use it for social engineering. And conservatives naively gave them the institution to do that. So he said, if you want to go back and look at my original title back in 2006 that he wrote for Mises, don't let the government define marriage. He says, let's just edit it down to its essentials. Don't let the government, whatever you're talking about. Now, there is going to be an aspect of this respect for marriage uh, bill that is going to be focusing on, uh, it is going to make religious persecution uh, more easy uh, to, to uh, put against people, no doubt about it. Uh, as world. It says, uh, no respect for religious freedom in the Respect for Marriage Act. The heart of the Respect for Marriage Act's purported protections of religious liberty is Section 6B. RFMA supporters claim that it provides houses of worship and other religious nonprofit categorical protection from being forced to celebrate same-sex marriage. And they assert that this is a significant religious liberty advance. Uh, Same-sex marriage has been legally recognized since 2015. The number of cases challenging religious organizations' refusal to hold same-sex weddings? Zero. Zero. Now, you've had bakers and you've had photographers challenged because they wouldn't custom bake a cake that the people who came in knew that they were Christian and decided that they wanted to rub these people's noses in the cake or whatever. Um, essentially the same as if they came into a, a Jewish deli and said, we want you to make um, uh, something celebrating Hitler or whatever, right? They just they they singled out these people to persecute them religiously, and the government happily joined them in this. And uh, this is going to make those situations much worse. It's also going to make it more difficult for institutions that are uh, trying to help place uh, orphans with families and say, well, we're only going to work with people that we recognize, you know, one, uh, man, one woman marriage. That's the only thing that we're going to, uh, only kind of a family that we're going to place kids with. Well, they will be attacked now. They will be attacked. Uh, no reasonable person thinks that the government could get away with forcing houses of worship to do same sex weddings. So if activists someday try to force churches to host and perform such ceremonies, they won't need the RFMA to win their cases. I don't think we're that far away from the mob deciding that they will push that. Uh, But again, the defense would be the First Amendment that is already there. They put in the RFMA, the language, quote, consistent with the First Amendment. Judges may use that language to conclude that this provision is no more protective than the first amendment, meaning that the bill does nothing. See, here's some Christians looking at it saying, well, yeah, this is the same thing. They're not even looking at the, uh, uh, the, the requirement full faith and credit requirement to honor contracts from different states as uh, guard was, but yeah, it doesn't do anything, but it does enable, uh, more control over these ancillary issues private businesses. In other words, it explicitly gets rid of, you know, specifically protects, but they don't need it because they got the First Amendment, uh, houses of worship and nonprofits. But it specifically does not protect individuals and businesses. So, as I say here in uh, WNG.org, right now, government officials across the country, including the Biden administration, argue in court that individuals and religious organizations who live and work with people from all walks of life should face civil and criminal penalties if they don't abandon their beliefs on this issue. Faith-based adoption and foster placement agencies are denied the opportunity to serve needy children. States deny parents equal support if they choose religious schools with the wrong views on marriage. Governments force gospel rescue missions to hire people who deny the gospel. So uh, it imposes an obligation to recognize same-sex relationships on religious organizations that work closely with government. So don't work with government. Don't take Caesar's money. Render to Caesar what is due, but don't let Caesar bribe you with that coin, your own coin that you're paying in taxes or that you're going to pay back in uh, debt that they run up with. As I've said many times, when you mix religion with politics, you wind up with politics. And if these organizations that want to do uh, adoption placement and things like that, if they are going to uh, interact with the government, uh, then the government is going to control what they do. But this may open up the um, uh, challenges and and lawsuits, uh, this uh, bill that's been put through with these Rhino Republicans. The school board has been hit with ACLU complaint alleging discrimination after they enacted pro-family policies. This is out of uh, Doylestown, Pennsylvania. The school district enacted policies to curb the spread of divisive ideology in classrooms, people familiar with a school district's policy, told LifeSite News that contrary to the allegations of the ACLU mainstream media, the measures are simply about protecting kids from radical sexual content and giving them an education free from indoctrination. A heavily redacted version of the 72-page ACLU complaint uh, alleges that the school district has created a hostile, toxic environment for LGBT and gender nonconforming students by not promoting or authorizing the promotion of radical gender ideology. So let's take that same logic. If a school does not promote Christianity, is it hostile to Christianity? I mean, and, and this goes back again to what uh, R.L. Dabney was saying. Somebody's values are going to get taught. When you have a government run school, somebody's freedom of religion is going to get trampled on and uh, make no doubt about it. I mean, the climate issue, the secular humanism, the LGBT thing, these are all denominations of secular humanism. So, uh, yeah. So if a school does not promote Christianity, is it hostile to Christianity? Well, yes, yes. Uh, you can't have a neutral school. And we need to get over that fantasy. Uh, But um, they have a problem because, again, education is about values, it's about morals, it's about character. We pretended that it was objective when it was not objective, and this is what we've wound up with now. And the government has its tentacles in with everybody because of the amount of money. So the question is, do Christians have a vision of marriage. Have we, as a culture even, beyond Christianity, have we lost our vision of marriage? Is marriage defined for us not by the uh, Defense of Marriage Act, not by the Respect of Marriage Act, but marriage is really defined for us by Hollywood. It's defined by the culture. It's defined by school because the uh, religious beliefs are so weak. This article here from um, um, Breakpoint is um, <laughs> dating is broken. Dating is broken. Pew Research surveyed those in the dating scene uh, of the age. Um, 67% of the respondents answered that their dating life was not going well. Two thirds not happy with the way their dating life is going. 25% said it was easy to find a date. The rest reported finding it either very or somewhat difficult. About half of single Americans, by contrast, have stopped looking. So, uh, you want to talk about depopulation? You want to talk about a collapsing culture? You know, if they can convince us through entertainment, through culture, through schools and education, if they can convince us that we don't want to have a relationship with anybody, that we don't want to have children, and you see this all the time by the climate crazies, Greta Thunberg, occasional uh, cortex, All of them. Well, I don't want to have any kids. We're all going to, you know, no future for our kids. Uh, That's what they've bought into. It is going to be a population collapse. This is just from a um, mental, spiritual standpoint. Not even talking about the physical things that they're doing to sterilize the population and to kill people at an early age. Uh, No, people don't want to start a family. People don't want to have a lifelong friend and a mate. They're not even looking for that. They're looking for some instant sexual gratification. That's it. Nearly one in three U.S. households representing someone living alone, though gladly opt for, many gladly opt out for a single life, but others feel trapped by the social trends that they did not invent. They feel like they're either caught in the cycle of short-term relationships or star for options in a world that doesn't seem to share their values. Uh, As a matter of fact, there was another article. After Roe v. Wade was uh, overturned by the Supreme Court, Uh, one in five, about 20% of the people that they surveyed, said they were hesitant to have sex after the Supreme Court decision, which goes back to Dave Chappelle's joke. Are you pro-choice? or are you anti-consequences? <laughs> After Tinder turned 10 years old this year, a journalist, Katherine Pearson, offered what she called a moment of collective reflection about how apps have reshaped not just dating culture, but also the emotional lives of longtime users. One woman told Pearson that she's over it all. She's done with the swiping with the monotonous getting-to-know-you conversations and the self-doubt that creeps in when the matches fizzle. Uh, as um, they point out here, uh, Dennison, uh, sex can be had in abundance these days, but love is much harder to find. So one person who um, uh, did the article uh, about this, Leibowitz was her name, uh, she said she went back to her Orthodox Jewish background. She said, maybe we should go retro go retro. Uh, the way many of us Christians would put it is to return to the old paths, right? things that are tried and true over generations. But she calls it going retro. This can mean anything from simply waiting to have sex until marriage to including more parental involvement in the process. As strange as it sounds to Western ears, there actually is some evidence that arranged marriages fare just as well as modern chosen ones, or even better. It'd be a mistake, however, to think that a new dating technique can fix what is a much, much deeper catastrophe. The best strategies cannot overcome the cultural loss of the purpose of sex and dating, the meaning of love, and the definition of who humans are. What, after all, is life for? If the answer is only our own self-actualization, that's what the psychologist will tell you. You know, Maslow's theory. But if the answer is found in the goodness of creation and the ultimate purposes of God's kingdom, dating has a context and a purpose. And marriage has a context and a purpose. And so does work and sex and friendship and procreation and, yes, even singleness. It's important for us to understand. You know, we fight back and forth about these definitions of marriage. Um, We don't want to have things imposed upon us. But um, what are we doing to make things happen in our life, right? And, And in the people's lives around us. We don't want to take responsibility for what is happening in our own life. We think that some billionaire or some billionaire politician is going to fix it for us. Uh, Our broken culture needs the hope found in the gospel, not in politics, uh, writes Jim Dennison. And he, he talks about the problem in politics right now is that it's the double negative election, as some people called it. They give us a false dichotomy. Well, it's either the Democrat or the Republican. It's either Biden or it's Trump. And everybody's like, well, I hate this guy and I hate that. Who do you hate the most, right? The lesser of two evils. Because that's the way it's always going to be. Uh, They're always going to give you limited choices. They'll always be controlled choices. You know, even on the internet, you know, these social media companies, they were controlled uh, choices from the very beginning. Uh, Jim Dennison says, as I've written recently, many of our post-Christian society have adopted politics as their religion. This is the thing that bothers me when we talk about Christian nationalism. There's too much emphasis on the nationalism and not enough on the Christian. And they'll give lip service to this stuff, but they really don't believe it any more than Michael Flynn believes in Christ. If he's, if he's plagiarizing Elizabeth Clare Prophet and her prayers of this uh, doomsday nuclear cult from the 1980s, if he is plagiarizing verbatim that kind of stuff, he's just misleading the sheep who are following him. And these reawaken America things, that is not a reawakening at all. Yeah, America needs a great awakening. Uh, that kind of restoration that happened in America preceded the American Revolution. Uh, but, you know, liberty is a blessing from God, and if we want to kick God out of our society, we're kicking out the blessing that comes along with that. Anyway, he says, um, As I've written recently, many in our post-Christian society have adopted politics as a religion. Cultural scholar Ryan Burge observes, our politics has become religion. It has a religious fervor to it, now that it didn't have even 20 or 30 years ago. More Americans are finding community through political alliances rather than in church congregations. Political activism is replacing religious activity for many. Partisan politics now provides a sense of belonging, devotion, and moral certitude, all hallmarks of religious engagement. And this is one of the reasons why this reawakening tour with Michael Flynn and uh, Roger Stone, all these grifters, it's why it is so powerful for people, because it gives them this quasi-religious you know, coding, but it's all politics. And that's what people want right now. As Jim Dennison says, we would rather control than be controlled. And that includes our deities as well. We would rather use our deities, our idols, our imagined you know, gods, rather than submit to them. We can see the people we elect, and we can unelect them. And we cannot see the God who sees us. So, you know, it's a lot more attractive for many people to engage in politics than it is for them to bow the knee to God. Uh, they find their, um, their you know, th- th- that was one of the things I always said about Hillary Clinton. I thought it was really pathetic. For years, Hillary Clinton talked about the politics of meaning. And I said, isn't that sad that she thinks that politics gives meaning to life? Nothing could be further from the truth. I thought it was a, a hallmark uh, of an empty, meaningless life to talk about the politics of meaning. And yet, that's where we are on the right. And, and it's become more intense on both the left and the right to look to politics for meaning in life. So he says, uh, we have to refuse the lure of political religion. But he says also, our broken culture needs the hope that is found only in the gospel. Because what we're talking about here is a change that comes from within. The change that comes from God. And you're not going to find any real change, in case you haven't noticed, uh, in Trump or Biden and the Republicans or the Democrats. Uh, Yeah, Republicans need to be, or or, uh, politicians need to be changed uh, (laughs) regularly for the same reason you change diapers. Transformed lives are our most powerful and attractive witness. And uh, I just have to say, when you look at this, that also includes, though, it means that we're not passive. It means that we, you know, uh, we're not justified by our works, but we show what we believe and what we do. Uh, Do we help others? Do we actually protect them from these political predators? To me, that's where the involvement in politics ought to be and in the sense that um, we see ourselves as good Samaritans trying to help uh, other people when we see robbers and thieves coming after them or when they have been attacked by these robbers and thieves that we call Republicans and Democrats. And we try to get them out of jail or point out how they've been unjustly uh, attacked. Uh, Do whatever we can. Uh, to visit them and their suffering and to help them with their suffering. But there is no solution in politics. Uh, politics is, uh, is a rough business. You know, it, it uh, does not carry the sword in vain. It is there, as many people say, <laughs> you don't want to have the military out there uh, acting as policemen because uh, they just don't have the finesse. You know, they're there to uh, do massive uh, destruction. But by the same token, We don't want to use the police when it is a situation that is uh, spiritual, uh, psychological, medical, whatever, something like
0: uh, the war on drugs. We don't want to use that... No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Blunt force object for that. It's a completely different program. A problem. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: to The David Knight Show.
1: Welcome back. I had um, this email sent to me by Raybo. Uh, good find that he had three different argument uh, articles talking about how climate change is doing various things to people. You know, I, I talked last week about how um, uh, you had this article saying, uh, "Don't garden. Uh, not it'll kill you. It'll give you a heart attack. Not because of physical labor." or strain. No, no, no. There's toxins in the soil. Be very afraid. And if you work outside with the soil, make sure you wear a mask and gloves and all the rest of this stuff. It's absolute insanity. But what it is really is misdiagnosis, but misdirection. They don't want people to see what the vaccine, the Trump shot, the genetic code injection, they don't want people to see what is happening with this. And so they're coming up with the most ludicrous diversions to tell people, well, this is what's actually happening to you when it's not what is happening. Climate change linked with worsening neurologic diseases. As we witness the effects of global warming on human health, it is imperative that neurologists anticipate how neurologic disease may change. Absolute nonsense. It's climate change is uh, making us neurotic. And they're not talking about people like uh, Greta. Uh, they're talking about people in general. Because they're talking about old age, strokes, dementia. Climate change is making migraines, strokes, and dementia more severe and more common, says the review. Uh, absolutely absolute nonsense. Here's how they try to make the case. The body has to work harder to stay cool and pump blood round to different organs. So it's not a problem in the winter, right? It's only in the summer, and yet we haven't seen these um Uh, Temperatures change in spite of what they're saying. Uh, Since 1981, global temperatures have risen uh, 0.32 degrees Fahrenheit per decade. Well, that simply uh, is meaningless because you're looking, you're cherry-picking the time that you're looking at it. And again, as I pointed out, these people who try to show um, these trends have eliminated... uh, the warming that happened in the Middle Ages, something that was always understood. So they cherry-picked, we had a a warming period, then we had a little mini ice age, then it warmed up again. All of those things were happening before there was an industrialized society, before there were SUVs or automobiles that they seek to ban everywhere. So it is absolutely, you know, by cherry-picking the data, it's the same thing that Biden did. He said, look at how much gasoline prices have dropped. And everybody was like, well, what about last year? No, I'm just talking about from a couple of months ago. Yeah, but look at how much it's up from a year ago. Look at how much it's up since you took office. No, they cherry pick when they want to start these uh, data issues, and that's what they have done to um, put out the uh, narrative of the hockey stick tied to CO2. It's total nonsense. ALS, dementia and stroke worsened by climate change find researchers. Rising global temperatures and the spread of airborne pollutants could worsen the symptoms of neurologic diseases, including dementia, strokes, Parkinson's disease, ALS, researchers warned on Wednesday, as scientists continue to evaluate the harmful effects of climate change on human health. So what they're doing is they're projecting and they're misdirecting you with misinformation uh, away from the excessive deaths that have happened with the Trump shots, the um, GCI genetic code injection. They're trying to offer anything that they can as an alternative explanation to this, and at the same time, push the next mechanism that they have out there for taking control of our lives: the climate McGuffin. Uh, Europe is facing a cancer epidemic after an estimated one million cases. Now, what does that do to? Was well, due to lockdown. And yet they don't want to stop the lockdowns. They are putting measures in place to continue the lockdowns, to continue the emergency orders and the rest of this. But they're saying now that this is simply due to the fact that people uh, were told that they couldn't get their cancer uh, checkups and uh, things like that. So now we got a lot of people that are being diagnosed uh, because we locked down the hospitals from anybody getting any routine health care. Well, there's an element of that, but we also know because it was predicted and it's been observed what is happening to the killer T cells. All of us have cancer cells. It's happening all the time in our body. The question is, you know, when you, when you quote unquote get cancer, what that means is that it's up to the, um, it's reached, uh, the level where your body cannot handle it and it overwhelms your body, you know, just like an infection. And you've seen these types of things before with Hansen's disease, uh, a bacteria that if you, you know, can be controlled with a good hygiene, but if you let it go enough, then it gets to a a tipping point. It gets to a critical mass, and your body then can't handle it. Well, the same thing is happening with cancer all the time. As Dr. Ryan Cole, the pathologist, pointed out, in the uh, spring of 2021, he was looking at massive increases in cancer, and he said, I'm um, uh, seeing these, so many more cases of cancer, and I'm looking at their blood, and the killer T cells are just gone. And he said, we're going to see uh, very rapidly advancing cancer. We're going to see cancer coming back from people who had it in remission because of these vaccines. And yet they want to tell you uh, that it's because of lockdown. And I'm sure that made things worse. But the real issue, I think, is the, uh, what the vaccine is doing to people. This was sent to me by a listener. This is pretty amazing. Um, this listener went to um, get an x-ray in New York City Hospital. And one of the questions was, if I got the vaccine, and in which arm did I get it? In which arm did you get it? Now, what is that about? For the, again, she was going there to get an X-ray. She said, "I never had the X-ray. I just left." Why do they need to know which arm it was in? And one could ask, why do we need to have uh, EKGs for young kids now for them to participate in sports? Why do we have free heart screening now for young kids being put out, you know, all over uh, Austin, other places like that? Why is that happening now when it didn't before? So um, never forget, here are some of the dumbest COVID restrictions. Um, this is um, Kevin Downey who um, came up with this. Yeah, we survived some shockingly stupid COVID-19 uh, ideas. And, um, and here's a few of them as we, we talk about uh, amnesty. Um, the battle of the grocery stores. <laughs> Libs made it seem like grocery stores were an orgy of bat stew flu. Uh, predatorily resting on produce or boxes of coffee K-cups, waiting to pounce on the unsuspected shopper and perhaps give them the sniffles. High-ranking jack puddings in the New York state threw together a list of science-dodging conditions that they deemed necessary to save lives at the grocery store. Today, these protocols seem as stupid as treating asthma with cigarettes. But, of course, that has been done in the past. You know, uh, many doctors prefer... The leading brand of fill in the blank to others. But I recall terrified pop tart shoppers excoriating me for defying the one way aisles. Remember that? That's what he's really talking about. Yeah. The major grocery stores where you had to, you know, space out and not just grocery stores, but also Walmart and other places like that. Um, you know, you could only go in one side and, you know, because otherwise people get too close to each other, they'd be passing each other. So you had to stand on the stickers on the floor, one family member shopping at a time, wash your produce when you get home, all these different things. Uh, We're going to look back on this and this is going to be, I hope, if these people don't lock us down and sleep, even if they do, people are going to understand this is how it started. And they're going to look at those of us who played along with this and say, these are the fools that got us into the slavery situation They didn't have the discernment to understand what was happening in restaurants. We're led to believe COVID devoured maskless people who were walking to their tables, but showed mercy on patrons as they were sitting. Again, how many times did I have that argument? You're going to make me wear the mask to walk five feet to a table, but then I can sit there with the mask off for two hours if I want. It's not a problem. Kids and COVID kids took a real beating during the pandemic, especially considering so few kids actually died from China's virus. Actually, Uh, When it was about 300 reported deaths only as they were saying, well, you know, we've got uh, hundreds of thousands of people who have died uh, from COVID because we had a positive test or because we had a clinical diagnosis, not even a PCR test magnified by a trillion times. Even then, they were only saying about 300 kids had died with a diagnosis or a test. And so you had... um, uh, Johns Hopkins scientist who went back and looked at every single one of those and said there wasn't a single one that you could make a case that there wasn't something else that killed them. They had multiple comorbidities, the young kids, just like at the very beginning of it. Uh, the average age in Italy, the first two weeks we had, uh, just before we shut down, average age was uh, just over 80 and just under 80. 79 and a half one, one week and, uh, over 80 the next week. And they had on average two and a half comorbidities. And that's what we wound up with. Uh, so a diagnosis or a positive PCR test was what actually did it to them. So, uh, when are we going to get beyond all of this? Well, um, again, people are now looking back at these rules and I'm glad that they're talking about them, but, uh, you know, we were doing this all the time. This is another article. This one is from, uh, Australia. Uh, talking about the fact we had to wear a mask when entering a restaurant, walking to a table, but also what they were putting up with was they had people even out on the beach uh, cordoned off. or you had the police would go out a single person by themselves on the beach. We've seen all seen the pictures of that. I've played them many times and they would go out and engage this person. Now, if there was really a pandemic, uh, you're just exacerbating situations by going out and engaging this person who is completely by themselves out on the ocean. Uh, no one allowed in public except to riot over the death of George Floyd. <laughs> in Ohio, the sport of wrestling was permitted, but competitors were not allowed to shake hands at the end of a bout. Um, people walking along on secluded beaches, as I just pointed out. Arrested. Um, so, um, yeah. When sitting in a park, you and your friends were required to sit within circles, painted on the grass. I mean, this is just the most ridiculous stuff. And, and future generations, um, if we have uh, people who uh, survive this, will be mocking us, and rightfully so. Now, in Canada uh, and in uh, Alberta, they have a new premier, uh, Danielle Smith. Uh, she has fired uh, all the entire board of directors of the Alberta Health Services System who oversaw the imposition of these ridiculous rules shutting down everything, destroying businesses. That was the purpose. The purpose of all this, in case you haven't figured out by now, was to attack religious liberty, to throttle and destroy the middle class and whatever uh, financial independence they had. But she's now fired all of the healthcare board there that oversaw these mandates. And so her name is Danielle Smith. The question is, as I've said for the longest time, everybody said, well, you know, uh, it would be much worse if... um, If Trump hadn't been there, I said, well, why didn't he fire Fauci? Remember all the times just before the election? People yelling and screaming at him, fire Fauci, fire Fauci. We'll see. You have to vote for me again. Maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. And of course, the two months that he was still there after the election, he still didn't fire Fauci. So what's that tell you? Whose side is here? I mean, Danielle Smith. Premier of Alberta, she fires the entire lot of them. Trump didn't fire anybody. They were controlling him. Fauci is unapologetic about the COVID-19 decisions in the face of a likely House GOP investigation. He's still defiant. Uh, but again, uh, Trump is not going to take him on, not going to shut down anything. He did everything that Fauci told him to do. Uh, Trump likes to tell it the other way. Oh, yeah, look, they criticized me because I shut things down at the very beginning. That was the only time there was a disagreement between them. Other than that, he did everything that Fauci wanted, and he channeled all that money, And um, although he's not talking about it now. uh, We're going to talk about that when we come back. We're going to talk about the the campaign and uh, where we're headed uh, with Trump as well as the identity papers, and I want to begin with that because now we see how all of these world leaders
0: are on the same page Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Walking in lockstep
1: with the World Economic Foundation. They've made it very clear exactly where they are and what they support. We'll be right back.
3: truth is a revolutionary act you're
1: listening to the david knight show and again i want to thank uh, a couple more people who uh, sent checks that we um, are processing right now Uh, lois l and james l thank you very much for your support and and again uh, michael and tina i apologize um, uh, for the uh, check that i think uh, karen has today i apologize for that taking so long but thank you so much for your support and i also want to thank um uh, J H who, uh, sent a contribution on Zell. He says, I believe they groomed DeSantis for us, for all of us that didn't agree with the stuff of 2020. He is not on our side if he is selected. And I agree. I don't think that we need to be a cheerleader for any individual. I, I think it is important for us to, uh, if he does the right thing and pushes back even just a little bit when everybody else is going along a hundred percent. If he pulls back and says, well, no, I think that's a little bit too far for one of the, they have to see that there is a constituency out there. So we we don't look at these things on a partisan basis. We don't even look at it at a political basis. We look at these things issue by issue. And we encourage them when they do the right thing. We oppose them when they do the wrong thing. And we tell them, yeah, this is the right thing, but it's not nearly far enough. Uh, Don't give a pass to any of these people. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a moment. The problem is that, uh, you know, when you get somebody who pushes back a little bit, that's why I say we need to support somebody even if they push back a little bit because when you look at what's happening with the G20, they are all on exactly the same page. None dare call it a conspiracy, right? The G20 is pushing vaccine passports for all future international travel. That's right. Your identity papers, please. This is a Nazi occupation. Years ago, I talked about that and actually played uh, a scene (laughs) from uh, Great Escape. You know, the guys get out and they've got their identity papers and the clothes that they've made. And of course, they got to get past all the different checkpoints everywhere. Always looking for their identity papers, please. Right? That was a hallmark of a totalitarian occupation having to show your identity papers everywhere you go. Well, now it's on your phone and now you don't have to show it to them. They can just track it all the time. And then they can send you a ping and say, well, you've got to go to quarantine. You've got to go to the FEMA camp. But the key thing is that they also want to isolate you. And I've played the clip several times. I'm not going to play it again, but it was the Indonesian health minister. Who uh, said we have to have the digital health certificate. We want the WHO to set up the standards, to run the database. And of course, they also want the WHO to determine when they think that there's an epidemic somewhere so they can isolate an entire country. Digital health certificate to show whether a person has been vaccinated or tested properly. He said, then you can move around. Then you can move around. That is what they want. And that is what this has been from the very beginning. And I said that even, you know, months before the 2020 election, I said, this is exactly where it's going because that's what they had, um, practiced for 20 years to facilitate seamless international travel interoperability because this is a global ID, global control, recognizing digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. None of this is over all of the Emergency orders still in place in every state. People like Greg Abbott re-upping them every few months. Biden just re-upped it until January of this coming January, which will make it uh, a full three years. Establishment of trusted global digital health networks. They are setting up the World Health Organization for medical martial law. That's what I called it in uh, March of 2020. Article 24, the final G20 declaration begins. The COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the transformation of the digital ecosystem and the digital economy. And then it leads into the following statement later in the section. We acknowledge the importance to counter disinformation campaigns, cyber threats, online abuse, and ensuring security and connectivity infrastructure. So they immediately combine both the um the ID and the passport idea with censorship because this is all about a political pandemic. So uh yeah, you got to have these passports so that you can move around. No, you got to have these passports so that they can all follow the World Economic Forum. That's what this is truly about. And again, as I said, the economic aspect of it is the key thing that's why everything is going to eventually devolve into this central bank digital currency you need to understand what is coming a digital gulag is what one individual called it. i think that's a good description uh, a terrifying vision and uh, of course you know if twitter can take away your freedom of reach they can take away your freedom of travel it is a digital gulag i've said this for the longest time i said if if you Want to understand uh, what the um, what the coming smart cities are going to be like? Just take a look at these digital gulags uh, that are uh, right now YouTube, uh, Google, Twitter, Facebook. When Google wanted to run its own smart city, and they set up a model smart city, and they took what was in cyberspace and they put it in physical space. It was a program. They used the justification of Climate change. We got to save the world with, from climate change. But as the people who were true believers in man made climate change were participating and volunteering in it, they came, many of them pulled out of it and said, This is about nothing other than recording everything that we do. They're watching and recording everything that we do. It was total surveillance, just like on the internet. But they took that model of surveillance and tyranny is on the internet and they're going to apply it in physical space. Now what these people did not experience was the social credits and the lockdown the censorship and the shadow banning and all the rest of the stuff that is happening on the internet that will happen in the smart cities. That's why they're setting up these different, uh, means to control people. Uh, children's health defense talked about the fentanyl vaccine that I mentioned last week. Uh, they point out the fact that it is, Funded by the military, Stanley Kubrick's *A Clockwork Orange*. They said features an experimental treatment, the Ludovico technique. They called it used to change the behavior of a young man who is addicted to sex and violence. Remember that if you saw the movie, they strap him down, they put some prongs on his to prop open his eyelids so he can't look away, and then they give him a, a drug to make him violently ill, and they play. Uh, Video of sex and violence to get him um, uh, to be repulsive, to make that repulsive to him, right? And um, so uh, they said, soon we'll have a vaccine desi- designed to change human behavior in real life. That's essentially the idea of what they're trying to do with the uh, anti fentanyl vaccine. If you remember Clockwork Orange, uh, there was. Uh, one aspect of it where there was a um uh, a pastor in prison who uh, said well this isn't uh, we 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 don't want to do this to people we want to uh, have them uh make this decision on their own and we want to really reform their character and he didn't like the fact that this was being uh done as a as a manipulation and that's what I was saying last week I said this isn't going to help anything people who find a need to escape reality because they have this hole in their being that they can't fill and they're just trying to escape in one way or the other. If you, if you had something like this that actually worked uh, and it's not clear that it actually does work uh, or what the other effects are going to be in it, but let's just assume theoretically that you had some kind of a, a vaccine that was not going to be to prevent a disease. But it was going to be a vaccine against the behavior, against the choice, is the way they put it. Uh, Because remember, people take fentanyl voluntarily, right? So what's going to happen is um, they are going to uh, still be looking for something to help them escape reality or the problems that they have in life. And they'll just turn to something else. But what is troubling, and I didn't see, you know, they focused on the fact that this is funded by the Department of Defense which is um, usually there at the uh, center of all these things. They were there with uh, warp speed. Uh, They were there with all the 20 simulations that they did from uh, September 11th and on. Um, You know, dark winter just two months before September 11th. It was always there about the Defense Department. Uh, But the thing that I find troubling is that uh, when would this be used? Right? Um, Is this going to be something that is going to block these receptors for somebody because that's going to be, if that were to work, it would essentially be an injection that was going to make them go cold turkey. The idea behind this is going to bond with a fentanyl, keep it from being absorbed into the brain so that you wouldn't get high. Well, if you were already addicted to this stuff, then it would put you into uh, a cold turkey withdrawal. Why would people choose to do that in this particular way. Uh, So I think that the purpose of this thing, they're always looking to come up with something to make everybody take it, and especially to make children take it. And so I would imagine that they're going to sell this thing on the basis, whether or not it works, and regardless of what the adverse effects are, They're going to sell this as something that is gonna keep your kids from getting addicted to this drug. And then they'll have another one for the next drug. And as they keep redesigning and changing drugs, they will keep coming up with more vaccines to require kids to take in order to go to school. I think that is where the end game is. I don't uh, see anybody pointing that out yet, but I think based on our history, that's where these people are headed. So the US Defense Department is secretly controlling COVID vaccine production process. One that cannot be traced, says a researcher. A recent analysis of documents obtained by Freedom of Information lawsuits reveal that the COVID quote-unquote vaccine uh, that's being manufactured by Pfizer, Moderna, Janssen, and others are only figureheads in the production of experimental injections that are actually produced and fully controlled and distributed by the Department of Defense. This is an amazing story. Research conducted by retired pharmaceutical industry executive Alexander Latipova discovered that kind of an iceberg, these biological products, are made from a consortium of companies that are traditional and non-traditional suppliers to the Department of Defense. It always concerned me, the heavy military use and warp speed. Uh, Odd that it was going to be delivered by the military. And, of course, you know, 60 Minutes had that uh, uh, piece that was all set up to uh, get people excited about it as soon as they coordinated Biden about the delivery of all the vaccines. Uh, Though the public sees Pfizer, Moderna, and Janssen as being represented everywhere in the products manufacturers, in reality, they're all involved only somewhat in some pieces of the production process. Ladapova told Dr. Peter McCullough in an interview on uh, November 8th. In addition, possession of the product is never taken by anybody other than the U.S. federal government, she said, resulting in the methods of production and contents of these products cannot be traced. Furthermore, not only are these biologicals produced in this opaque black box, but they remain the property of the U.S. government until they are injected into the person, which means any American who obtains the vials in order to study the contents can be prosecuted for stealing government property or the like. Yeah, it is a, a government secret you're not allowed to see. Isn't that amazing? Furthermore, since the organizational structure of the product project rather, explicitly names the DOD as, quote, the chief operating officer of the entire enterprise, and they are not a licensed pharmacy distributor, Latipova said, They don't need to comply with any laws that govern that industry. Therefore, these products are not vaccines or, according to Lodipova, even medicines. The public naturally has presumed standard industry safeguards for such products to be in place. Now, that has never been the case with any of this stuff. Uh, It is absolutely amazing to look at how they have just swept aside every law, every regulation, every precaution, how they ignore every single death, when in the past the government has been hypersensitive to any product damages or any deaths from products, now they just brush it all aside and say it's rare. Never mind. Or they come up with improbable explanations like, well, this is due to climate change or polluted soil or whatever. We'll be right back. <clears> Thank <throat> you.
3: Decoding the mainstream propaganda. It's the David Knight Show.
1: Well, there was an interesting chart, uh, which populations feel their country is on the wrong chart. This is from uh, Zero Hedge. And um, Plato once used the allegory of a ship of fools to push for his vision of a wise philosopher king as the ideal pilot for the ship of state while the people on board were fools. Uh, Yeah, Plato always pushed this idea of a benevolent dictator, of a uh, republic uh, that uh, was going to be godlike, that was going to replace the family. If you remember, he uh, uh, figured that there'd be a a hierarchy of guardians who would keep everybody in line. You'd have the ruling elite, and then you'd have everybody else that they were going to uh, dictate to the ship of fools. It's unbelievably elitist. It was unbelievably um, uh, dictatorship, the the whole idea behind that. But when you look at uh, what is happening here, I think uh, the people on board the ship are not very happy with uh, the direction they were being steered. There's a chart. uh, This is in the the news section. uh, Which population feels that their country is on the wrong track? Interestingly enough, Poland is uh, the one that uh, has the greatest dissatisfaction. 86% of the people believe the country is on the wrong track. Number two is the UK with 81%. Number 10 is the U.S. 72% of the people think the country is on the wrong track. Uh, Interestingly enough, I thought this was interesting, uh, Australia, even after all of the brutality that you saw with all this lockdown that they had in Australia and everything, only 48%. So so slightly half and half, but a majority think that Australia is on the right track, which is really surprising to me. Uh, Mexico only 43% think the country is on the wrong track. So why are they coming to the U (laughs) S where 72% of us think the country is on the wrong track. People in Mexico seem to be happier, but they're leaving. Well, it's simply because of money. Uh, Switzerland, slightly better than Mexico, and the one that has the greatest satisfaction is India. Only 26% of the people think that India is on the wrong track. So um, I guess that's one of the reasons why um, the UK's now got an Indian prime minister. Uh, Bill Maurer said, on the left, there is a rot, and it is coming from academia. Well, he's right about that. He says, it turns out that um, you, you take a look at this uh, guy, SBF, Sam Bankman Freed, or Sam Bankman Fried, or Sam Bankman Fetterman, anyway. uh, He says, um, uh, it turns out that both of his parents were professors at Stanford, and the mother wrote an essay in 2013. And Sam Bankman Freed's mother wrote an essay called Beyond Blame. So uh, Bill Maurer quoted from the essay where Freed argues, his mother argued, quote, the philosophy of personal responsibility has ruined crim- criminal justice and economic policy. It's time to move past blame. Bill Maurer said, is it really time? Is personal responsibility bad and, and blame? Is that a thing of the past? No wonder this guy is a crook. You were raised wrong. You were raised wrong. He says, I brought it up because I really think, look, we are, I think, when historians look back at our time, said Bill Maurer, they will not divide us into red and blue and Republican and Democrat. They'll be like, all oh, the things that were wrong with us were wrong both sides in different ways. And he says, I do think they manifest in a more dangerous way on the right, because he's coming from the left, but he's starting to wake up, Bill Maurer is. But he said on the left, there's a rot, and it comes from academia. And it filters down. And that's where all this is coming from. I just think this SBF and the fact that (laughs) we have to move beyond blame. Beyond blame. He says, I think this is just the epitome of it. Uh, Yeah, when you look at this beyond stuff. Again, um, you know, beyond freedom and dignity. B.F. Skinner. Yeah, we got to move beyond that. we got to understand that people are just animals. And uh, they don't have any dignity. They're not created in the image of God. And therefore, they have no freedom. You understand how those things, you know, that it logically follows that if you have no dignity, that if there's nothing special about humanity, we're just another animal, then, uh, you know, Plato's philosopher king or whoever happens to be the benevolent dictator can do whatever he wants to to us.
0: He's obviously our better
3: that's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: And he can do whatever he wants. No, the real issue, when people look back and they say, where did this go wrong? Yeah, it did come from academia. It came from academia. It's like a 1950s horror film. <laughs> These liberals were exposed to radiation, and this is a product that came out of it. Uh, no, it comes from modernism. It comes from people pushing back against any standard truth. People who have no truth other than there is no truth. That is their only absolute, that there is no truth. And they think that that is an absolute truth, and they don't understand the contradiction to it. But that's postmodernism. That's where, what got us to this point. That all came from the uh, desire to jettison God, right? So. There's no morality. There's no truth. We're postmodern. We're post-Christian. This is why SBF's mom can say, we got to move past blame. You know, personal responsibility, we don't want any of that stuff. No, not at all. Uh, So, um, uh, hang on a second here. Um, Yeah, New York schools are now being ordered to change all Native American team names and mascots, or guess what they get? The money gets cut off, right? You notice yet again what happens. The governor says, do what I say. I'm going to cut off your funding. Now, um, DeSantis did that as well. Uh, you put masks on the kids or, you know, some of these other things. I'm going to cut off your funding. And I've pointed out many times people who want to hold Trump harmless for what happened in 2020. It's like, why didn't he cut off the funding? He Increased funding, trillions of dollars. We'd never seen money like this flow to governors. And he kept it flowing, no matter what they did. And he didn't criticize them for it either. So that's how you, uh, you, know, you buy into this. The buck starts with the government, and it stops with the government. It stops with the executive. It stops with the president. Uh, I don't know what they would do with um, you know, with the schools that I went to. Uh, they just had a general mascot, uh, the chiefs. Or the uh, warriors, I guess that would be categorically prohibited because uh, you have to get uh, approval from a recognized tribe. Uh, so maybe if you could find some tribe, uh, if, you, if your mascot was a chief or a warrior or something like that, maybe you could find a tribe somewhere that would say, yeah, that's okay. They were very specific in Florida at FSU, at the university level, they call themselves the Seminoles. And the Seminole tribe said, yeah, we like that. That's cool. You know, just like. One of the uh, Indians out west said, Yeah, let's see how you white people like this. I'm gonna come up with a mascot and call it the fighting whiteies. And people thought, that's really cool. They started, <laughs> started buying the uh uh the t-shirts and stuff for that. Uh but that's the kind of stuff that we're focused on in our schools, right? That's the kind of thinking that turns out people like SBF. And Meanwhile, what is happening with our institutions? Not just the schools with their drag queen story hours. Uh, but, um, and uh, thank you, Lori Ross. I appreciate the uh, tip. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, but also take a look at what is happening with our beloved CIA. Caught covering up rampant child sex crimes inside the agency. And this is something that's been going on for over a year. Stories from Free Thought Project, Matagoris. Imagine that it was your child who was raped by a CIA agent, and authorities tell you that they cannot prosecute the abuser because it may reveal state secrets. You know, just like the vaccine. I'm sorry, you can't you can't have that vaccine. You can't do any tests on it because it's a state secret. Imagine an agency so secretive, so corrupt that they can literally get away with criminal sexual abuse of children. Then imagine that you are forced to to pay for this agency, and despite knowing that their agents are abusing children and even admitting to it, they're avoiding any kind of legal ramifications. Well, there's no need to imagine it because it's happening in the CIA, and nobody is doing anything about it. Last December, here we are a year later practically, through multiple freedom of information lawsuits, BuzzFeed News Obtained hundreds of internal CIA reports that detailed rampant abuse. According to the reports, despite multiple agents and contractors, at least 10 of them, being caught in child sex abuse situations, federal prosecutors have brought no charges. The abusers remain protected by the agency. Now, I think this is interesting because, you know, BuzzFeed is not conservative. BuzzFeed is not out there saying, you know, there's a, these pedophile rings and networks, you know, like QAnon is saying. Um, so it's not easily dismissed by that. Plus they got the documents, right? They did a FOIA request. They got the documents, but guess what? The CIA is above the law because they are the uh, actual top dog in our government. These secret agencies. It's been nearly a year since this information became public yet. There has been no investigation. And essentially no interest by anyone in D.C. or the political establishment to hold them accountable. Think about that. Nobody, no Republican and no Democrat is bringing this up. I mean, you got people like uh, MTG and others who, you know, oh yeah, you know, buying into the QAnon stuff, Matt Gates, and everything. Why aren't they talking about this? Here's something real. And they don't want to talk about it. Uh, they might talk about Hunter. They might talk about Epstein. This is even worse, frankly, because, um, well, you know, Epstein was in, was connected with the intelligence agencies, with Mossad, uh, blackmailing people. But this is our own CIA. They don't want to do anything about that. BuzzFeed reports that most of the cases were referred to U.S. attorneys for prosecution. But in an apparent quid pro quo scenario, the U.S. attorneys send the cases back to the CIA handle them internally. They're literally above the law. There isn't anything that they can do that they'll be called on. As Bud, BuzzFeed points out, some of these crimes are utterly horrifying and involve toddlers. Quoting from BuzzFeed, uh, Free Thought Project says, one employee had sexual contact with a two-year-old and a six-year-old. He was fired. A second employee purchased three sexually explicit videos of young girls, filmed by their mothers, he resigned. He wasn't even fired. A third employee estimated that he had viewed up to 1,400 sexually abusive images of children while on agency assignments. The records do not say what action, if any, the CIA took against him. A contractor who had arranged for sex with an undercover FBI agent posing as a child had his contract revoked. Well, so a couple of them got fired. One of them got resigned. Another one didn't have anything. But that's just a few of them. Out of all these monsters, only a single one was ever charged with a crime. In fact, that one individual, according to the report, was the only known case of a CIA staffer being charged with child and sex crimes ever. Ever. Why are we surprised about this, frankly? And why, is the, why are the conservatives not looking at this? You know, the conservatives. it's interesting to see the conservatives finally taking on the FBI for years. The left took them on. And for years, you know, they had uh, talked about FBI's COINTEL program, which had focused on Martin Luther King and others. Uh, But the conservatives never really paid any attention until just recently uh, because it got uh, highly politicized uh, against conservatives. It had been politicized in the past against liberals. And conservatives were fine with that, just like the uh, liberals are fine with it being weaponized against conservatives now. But we also had uh, Gina Happel, who lied us into the Iraq War with lies about weapons of mass destruction, obtained by torture. We've seen the pictures of the uh, sexual perversion at uh, Abu Ghraib and other places, the really dark side of our government. And of course, um, you know, Donald Trump promoted Gina Haspel who, uh, got those, uh, those lies and then covered up the torture, destroyed the videos of it. Uh, we can't have all these people testify. They might inadvertently be forced to disclose sources and methods. There you go. Just like, you know, we can't show you the tests for these Trump shots these genetic code injections. We've got to keep this stuff sealed for 65 years, says the FDA. They're not a watchdog. They're not doing any oversight. They're co-conspirators in crimes. The official who noted that the agency has had a problem with child abuse images stretching back for decades said they understand the need to protect sensitive and classified equities. Said, however, for crimes of certain class, whether it's an intelligence agency or not, you just have to figure out how to protect, how to prosecute these people. Yet they haven't. And as a free thought project, imagine it was your child who was raped by a CIA agent. And said, well, we can't do anything about it. Because if we were to prosecute them, it might reveal some state secrets. See, the whole idea... Of national security, the preeminence of state secrets. And we can't tell you this and we can't tell you that. All of it is hidden. Uh, What happened to this country in the aftermath of the Second World War and this whole idea of national security? We're going to keep everything secret, got to keep because, you know, they might steal our plans for the nuclear bomb or whatever. All of that has created the kind of criminal corruption that we see that has now become. Uh, so characteristic of our government in every area. Because it's not just the CIA. Everybody is hiding what they're doing. Everything is hidden from us while they demand to know everything about us. If there are state secrets that are so important inside the CIA that children can be sexually abused with impunity, it's high time this organization is disbanded and eliminated. As children are the one thing that we should actually be protecting. Well, again, um, you know, the CIA, uh, the NSA, these things were created by executive order uh, for the most part. The NSA said, uh, no, to to Congress, you can't even see our charter. That's secret. We were created uh, by by the president, by Truman, uh, who was, I think, perhaps trying to get something uh, to oppose the FBI, which she considered to be a Gestapo. So now we've got all three of them operating as uh, criminal gangs. BuzzFeed points out some of these crimes are utterly horrifying. Yeah, that's exactly what we see uh, everywhere in all of this. Um, so according to a report in The Hill, the end National Defense Network abuse was introduced in the wake of an investigation called Project Flickr carried out by US Immigration and Customs Enforcement. This investigation identified over 5,000 individuals including many affiliated with the Department of Defense who were subscribed to child porn websites. The investigation was conducted by the Pentagon's Defense Criminal Investigation Service. It netted hundreds of suspects who work for or are affiliated with the DOD. Free Thought Project says, "Let that sink in. Hundreds of government employees" are using taxpayer-funded, official DOD networks and computers to view and share child pornography, essentially running a child porn network on a government system. Are you shocked? Unfortunately, after the bill was introduced, it went nowhere, just like the prosecution of the child predators inside the CIA has gone nowhere. The rampant abuse, says Free Thought Project, should be on the front page of every newspaper in the country. Yet it remains buried under divisive headlines about Pelosi's husband and Kanye. That's what we're focused on. Because they want us fighting each other. They want a civil war. They want a civil war even within the political parties. I think it's interesting. We'll see what happens with the uh, Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Uh, The judge has ordered the unsealing of the names of eight anonymous individuals. The only one that I have seen so far that has come out of this is, um, the, uh, one of the Pritzker family. Now this is Tom. He's different from governor Pritzker of Illinois. I've shown you the pictures in the past of Pritzker, the, the all of them, uh, filthy rich with a uh, Hyatt, uh, chain money. And, um, the governor of uh, Illinois, Pritzker, has got a cousin who is a doppelganger for him, which is, re- I mean, but the guy is a transgender, goes by the name of Jennifer. And if you look at the picture of the two of them side by side, it looks like, I called him Jethro and Jethreen from the Beverly Hillbillies. You know, they used to <laughs> put uh, Jethro Bodine and, and drag to be his uh, sister, his cousin. or something, And that's what it looks like. With those two Pritzkers, now it turns out there's another one, Tom Pritzker. So besides, uh, and and when I talked about this in the past, the Pritzker family has been one of the big movers and shakers behind the transgender industry, and coming after kids. And now we find that Tom Pritzker, uh, associated with the same Hyatt family, has now had his name unsealed by the judge, as uh, somebody who was connected, a high-profile individual who was connected with. Jeffrey Epstein what a surprise what a surprise uh James Comer uh Republican says that uh, family bank records are going to be the first focus in the Biden investigation um I don't think they're going to do anything with it I think if they were really going to do something with it they would go for uh perhaps some more sensational stuff the crimes are going to be easily proven if it's financial uh but the uh, the um for the most part I think these things are really just going to be a dog and pony show. And I don't think they're going to get very far if they start talking about numbers. In this society, everybody's eyes are going to glaze over and they go to sleep. Lost in the emotion of the night was an attorney who firebombed a police vehicle. Now, I want you to contrast this with what happens to the people that have gone to jail simply for showing up to talk about politics, most of them, uh, January the 6th. There are some people who got violent. Nobody who firebombed anything. But this is a left wing attorney. And he's just been given a 15 month sentence.
3: Yeah,
1: I guess, you know, mistakes were made. Uh, he should have amnesty, right? Con- contrast that to what is happening to people, uh, you know, like Dr. Simone Gold, who turned up not even to support Trump, but because she wanted to talk to people about the vaccines. And because her speech was canceled, when she saw a big crowd that was going inside the Capitol, she just walked in and the they let you know, people in, and uh, she gave her speech that she hadn't been able to give on the dais. She gave it there, and for that, she got um, uh, sent to jail. Or take a look at Sam, the reporter from InfoWars, who went there to report. You see the pictures of him with a camera walking between the velvet ropes and the police standing around like, yeah, sure, come on in. And uh, they want to send him to jail as well. Senate Republicans have uh, started amnesty talks with uh, about DACA. Just another example of why, on every issue, whether it is marriage or life or the borders or gun control, I mean, it is amazing. Now, within a week, you see the Rhino Republicans, and this is the majority of them now, uh, that are going to um, uh, essentially. Uh, betray what the voters wanted to see. We're going to take a sh- well. Actually, no. We're right at the end of the program, uh, so um, uh, let me just finish up by uh, thanking all of you who have supported us. Again, if you want to um, uh, find us, you can go to thedavidknightshow.com. That's where we have links to the uh, videos as well as the podcast on the video channels. Of course, we will cut out a few uh, things on a daily basis. We now have an outline for the full show, and if you go to Odyssey you will be able to click on the number and it'll take you right to the uh, topic. If it's something that you find interesting And there, we felt like that was necessary to do because the show is a full three hours and, uh, people can't find the topic. Usually we cover a lot more than we did today in terms of diversity of topics, because today I want to focus on the false promise of free speech that everybody has been hanging on at Twitter. Um, and so, um, it is, and I'll just remind you. Also, we have some uh, new merchandise. So you can see the uh, shirt at our website. Uh, we have models uh, modeling it, so you can see. This is the back of the shirt, and on the front we have a smaller left chest logo, which just says the David Knight Show, and uh, the coin. We've had, um, uh, and I think I've got to get uh, that to uh, Jason, who helped us to put this thing together. I need to get him a a stand. Uh, my son put together a 3D printed stand for the coin. But um, a very nice challenge coin, and I'll show you a picture of it here, front and back, that was designed by um, by Jason. There's the front and the back, and that doesn't do it justice. It looks really nice in person. So again, I want to thank everybody who has supported us. And uh, this week we will be having a special show on Thanksgiving. And uh, so um, we'll be taking off on Friday, but we'll have a special show on Uh, Thursday, as well as a best of show on Friday. Thank you for joining us.